You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone out there. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back again, and it's time for us to talk about the best we ever ate part two. It's more, gonna be a, more, more fun. It's going to be a lot of to talk about, and it's going to be great. So it should be fun as hell. It should be good. We got a new bunch of folks to talk about it, and we got a lot to go on to. And this man, this man here has been giving us so many good ideas about what we can eat. So it's Mr. Mike Gordon. Wow. Howdy. Howdy. I, uh, I, for the, I thought you were saying has been giving us over the years. I was thinking that, you know, <laughs> it's like over 10 years that he's been giving us week after week after week. We almost yeah, well, need a shovel. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's what I do. Well, of course, but it should be, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we love talking about food, you know, our yeah. body, warning. our body show it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, warning, uh, if you are listening to this, uh, you know, uh, that's this segment will, will make you hungry. Oh, so God, yes. if you have not eaten already, uh, you may want to do so uh, because coming out of this discussion, you're going to be craving all sorts of things. Um, so you do, this is a podcast you really don't want to listen to on an empty stomach. Oh God, no, you do not want to eat on an empty stomach with, you know, listening to this, you're going to be like, God, I got to eat. If your stomach's growling, you can't hear us. Well, exactly. And you know, you (laughs) want to be hearing us. So you totally do. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course we'd love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We would, definitely love to hear from you remember folks it's a new email address so you can still reach us the old way but you know please write us at feedback at earth station one it's our new email address and it's a great way to hear from you guys at home of course we want to also give a big shout out to our patron friends out there thank you thank you for everyone who's been donating to us week after week month after month it's been a great great help to us and it's been great bringing you guys content early or you know exclusive content that nobody else gets and you too can participate in it for just 25 cents a week you could be a member of the eso network patreon and all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash eso network doesn't take much you know work to do to sign up or if you're a member of another patron you could just say hey i want to also you know contribute to eso not that hard, folks. And we would love it and appreciate it and worship the ground you walk on. Hell, we might even have you up here talking about food sometime. You know, it's not a bad thing to do. Also, a big shout out to our friends at Tofosi Optics. That's right. Tofosi Optical is back and they have some great, great sunglasses for the fall. You know, you're going to be, you know, walking out in this wonderful changing seasons and the colors are changing and the colors of the leaves. It's just, it's just a wonderful time to be outside and to cut down on glare, a good pair of sunglasses from Tofosi optics could be right there. You can have custom made glasses or even, you know, if you're sitting in front of a computer every day, these blue light 
glasses are great to cut down on headaches and glare from the computers. It's just great. You can get all this kind of stuff. And as a big thank you to you guys from Tifosi Optics, if you put in the code ESO Network, you get 10% off your order. That's right. All you have to do is go to tifosioptics.com and tell them ESO sent you. All right, time to get started with this show. And we've got a big show ahead of us. Mike, we got some special events going on real quick. Yeah, before we get to the, uh, you know, we've got, this isn't really rants and rays, it's more news and notes, uh, but we want to just get some business out of the way. And, uh, you know, it's it, this is where business is always a pleasure for me because October is uh, next week, actually. And so, uh, like the Earth Station One tradition, uh, in October, we will be doing a countdown to Halloween. We will feature... Uh, horror or Halloween themes, spooky themes uh, throughout the month. And uh, it's uh, very something that I uh, very excited about. Uh, we always have a good group of folks uh, come together. This year is not going to be any different. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up uh, starting with uh, next week. We are going to actually talk to uh, David Scal. His, uh, he's a, a, an author of a lot of great uh, nonfiction looks at uh, horror m- movies and the horror genre. And he's, uh, he's got a new book that he's written in conjunction with Turner classic movies about looking at uh, a classic horror movies over the years. It's called fright favorites. And uh, it's a really good book. I just finished it uh, today actually. And I can't wait to talk all about it with him. Uh, we are also working with um, a convention that's near and dear to our hearts which you would usually we would be at uh, next weekend, which is Monsterama. Uh, Monsterama, unfortunately, is uh, uh, not going to be taking place physically, but like uh, like a lot of conventions before it this year, it will be uh, done virtually. So there will be a lot of virtual panels uh, being shown. Uh, you can check out if you go to Monsterama's Facebook page, uh, we'll have a link to the Monsterama uh, uh, virtual uh, event uh, in our show notes. So check that out. Our um, our interview with David Scott that we're going to do next week will be part of that programming. So I believe on the Saturday, because uh, a lot of the panels will be pre-recorded. Uh, so on that Saturday, I believe, uh, I'm not sure the exact time we'll have it uh, posted uh, once it's revealed, but uh, you'll be able to see. So if you actually want to see us talk to David Skull, um, you can actually check us out at Monsterama uh, that weekend. Otherwise, tune in next week and you'll be able to hear the entire audio portion. We're also going to have an interview. We've got somebody very special uh, lined up for the Geek Seat, uh, as we do all October. Some people who have been um, involved with some some local or independent horror movies. We've got those, uh, those names scheduled and uh, we've got some surprises, some guests that we're still finalizing. Um, Our movie crew is going to come in and talk about lost boys. We're very excited about that, but the culmination of October, uh, the countdown to Halloween is something that we're very excited about. We're, this is a new thing for us. Uh, we are working in conjunction with a another podcast, a podcast uh, that we are good friends with called The Epic Disaster. This Epic Disaster. That's what I said. You said The Epic Disaster. Oh, well, all right. That's okay. I mess it up all the time, so you're, you're good. Don't worry. Them, now, they do something every year where they ask their listeners – to submit horror stories uh to they can be fiction or nonfiction, 
and they produce them. They read them on the air. Uh, they take the best ones and they collect them and read them uh, for Halloween and special Halloween episodes. So we are combining our efforts. So Earth Station One and this epic disaster, we are calling uh, out for you. We want to hear from you guys. We want your horror stories. We don't want your spooky stories. We want your, um, you know, we want you to thrill us. Uh, we want you to to make the the hairs on the back of our neck stand up. You so, have hair uh, yeah. So um, I have I have some hair. Like okay, that. I was just wondering. Yeah. yeah, some hair. I got some actually on my arms. That's more than on my head, really. Um, uh, the deadline for this year's submission is October fifteenth. So you have a few weeks. Uh, the horror story should be between a thousand and three thousand words, uh, but it can be about any scary subject you choose. Uh, try to keep it at a PG rating. I mean, we don't want to be too scary, uh, but we uh, both of the podcasts do sort of, despite the fact that the name of this episode is not family friendly. Um, the uh, the basically, we want to make sure that the whole family can tune in and listen like they used to do uh, back in the old time radio days. So, so um, if you've got a story, submit it to us as fast as you can, uh, and uh, you know we will select. Uh, the best to to air. Some of them will air only on this Epic Disaster podcast. Some of them will air uh, on Earth Station One. We're very excited about this. Uh, There will be prizes in addition to having your work read on a podcast. uh, We will be um, giving you something as well. Uh, I think we're still working out the details of that. So there will be tricks. There will be, I'm sorry, there will be treats with this trick. Wow, why did I say? There will be treats uh with this so so um get your submissions in and uh, we're gonna have a great time i can't wait to count down to halloween with all of you guys it'll be a blast it is really really going to be a blast and we've already gotten a couple stories emailed to us so come on folks we definitely need you guys to chip in and jump in so the deadline is october 15th so and literally send them to feed our new our email address our new email address feedback at earthstation1.com right exactly that's where you sent it to and uh, the folks over at this epic disaster have their own email address they're having their listeners send to and we're going to be trading off we're just not going to read the stories that you guys are writing, we're going to hand it off to them to read some of them to read too. Yes. Some of the stories that you submit to us may be on their show. Some of the ones that they, that people submit to them may be on our show. We, we're going to get all the stories together and uh, decide which, you know, which are going to be in which shows. But the bottom line is we want you to listen to both shows. Uh, It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun and it's going to be spooky. Exactly. So it should be a lot of fun. And now we're sitting here with a f- new friend of ours. Let's welcome Mike Emke to the show. And Mike, you represent the Weeby Geeks Network. Uh, and or Podcast you, Collective. Po- yeah. Podcast Collective, as you like to call it. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You want to tell everyone a little bit about Weeby Geeks? Um, well, the collective, Podcast Collective, is sort of like ESO Network. Um, we're a collection of geek or pop culture related podcasts. Um, I just want, I called it a collective because I wanted to separate from everyone else because everyone's got a network. Um, not, not saying anything bad about ESO because we are, because I, I'm actually bringing, no, it's all good because I'm bringing, uh, Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks and Wookiee Radio to the ESO network. Right. Um, so, um, 
it's just collective. Like I said, I just wanted to be different. I wanted to separate myself, try and think outside the box a bit. It's and, interesting. You're saying all that. And when you say like the collective outside of the box, I keep on thinking of the Borg for some reason. That's exactly where <laughs> I pulled the idea from was the Borg collective. Mm-hmm. That's, exactly, that's exactly where I got it. That's why if you look at the website for uh, the background image to the website, it looks like this, the uh, skin texture from the Borg cube. Oh, that's Ooh, awesome. I did, so wait a minute. I did wait, it on purpose. We just, do we do we just get assimilated? Is that what I'm hearing? Is that well? Yeah, hey, kind of. You know, is futile. We're we're doing what we like to call a podcast trade, a little bit, yeah. and we are trading Mike with Mike here and Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and Dragon Con report is going to be appearing with his collective, yeah. starting next week, and starting next week. Uh, your pot three podcast will be starting with the ESO yep. network. Yep. And so that'll be, you know, nothing's going to change or anything. You might hear like on our shows, a little extra bumper at the beginning of the show, just to talk about the collective and same, that's it. Same thing with my three shows. You're going to hear a bumper talking about the ESO network. So, mm-hmm. and he'll be pr- playing our promos. And so we're going to be opening up, all our shows to new audiences, which is great. And, you know, from what we know, you know, some of the, we already have cross pollination already. So yep. this will just increase it more so. And, and it's always, pretty awesome. As I always say, the more ears, the better. Well, exactly. And, you know, it's just, it's just more ways for people to hear Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con report. And, you know, we're going to do, be doing other cross promotions later down the line and everything, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yep. And, you know, we've started talking about some ideas and, but we've oh, yeah. got, you know, we've, we've got a lot ahead of us and it's a win-win situation for everybody. And, you know, I think it's a natural thing, believe it or not, Mike and I actually talked about doing something similar back in 2014, but it just, yeah, yeah. yeah, we did. And so like six years later, we got back in touch with each other and it's just been great. And so we decided to try going ahead with us. Yeah. So, so it's pretty awesome. So how many shows do you have in the collective right now? Um, be honest with you, I haven't counted. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, know, I know for sure over 15, maybe 20. Okay. You've just been, you know, sucking them all in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, there was another guy that I was working with, uh, another network, and he he and I had almost the same number of shows when I brought Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, to Milwaukee Radio there. And then within the month, he was like over a hundred and something shows. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I like the slow growth. Yeah, no. I mean, if I get to that point, great. But we don't want. We don't even want to get that big. We don't I, want to I get anywhere near that big. I don't think I. I actually do either. Uh, but I, I like the slow growth. Um, you mm-hmm. know, bringing three shows on at once is. It's been a while since I've brought that many shows on at one time. Uh, Same thing with us. But I. I have over the years maybe three shows during the year, uh, not at one time. But that's cool. And yeah. you know, like like we've said, we've had shows come and go with ESO network, but it's usually, you know, 
it's neither here nor there right what grows you know we just want it to be natural and you know and i think this is gonna be a great addition with your three shows i think it's gonna be a lot of fun Hey, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about each one of the shows? And are you personally involved with all three? I am personally involved with all three. Um, I I am the owner of all three shows. And actually, I do a fourth show. But that fourth show is way too new um, <laughs> for me to even pitch the idea of bringing it to ESO at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I'm talking, when I say new... Uh, I just released episode two today. <laughs> well, that's understandable then. That, Cause yeah. And so, yeah, that's way too new. Let it build, let it, I, you know, get some traction. And, and that's what I'm doing. And that show is, it's called adventures in geek. And it's the show with my daughter and I, uh, my daughter's 10. Oh, um, and it, and she's, she's a veteran podcaster herself. Uh, her school, she was in third grade. Uh, she's in fifth grade now. Um, but her third grade year, her school did a podcast called the Cubcast because they're the bear cubs at her school. And uh, they did a full year. Uh, I think they ended up releasing something like nine or 12 episodes for the year. Ooh, like podcasters that. young now. And uh, she she has interviewed quite a few people as a guest interviewer on Wookiee Radio uh, a couple times. And uh, she decided over the summer with the uh, virus that shall remain nameless that she wanted to do a podcast with me. So this is this is our journey of um, it's it's our journey of. Uh, father daughter sharing their their geekdoms together that's awesome that is really cool that you're doing that and it's great that you're able to share that with her and everything yeah tell us about what are the other shows about like you mentioned wookie radio um wookie radio is our show where we talk about xenomorphs and cylons and wait no no sorry that that show we talk all things Star Wars, um, whether it's comics, the movies, the TV series, the cartoons, collectibles, whatever. Uh, if it's Star Wars, we talk about it. Uh, we we've also had quite a few guests on, uh, be it from the films, from um, the TV shows, uh, which we've had three different people on from the Mandalorian, uh, nice. from the cartoons. Um, we've had, uh, Vanessa Marshall from Rebels. We've had Myrna Velasco from Star Wars Resistance. Um, we've had comic book creators, authors, uh, of different books or audio books. We've had them all on, uh, to talk about, you know, Star Wars and, and what their nice. projects were. That's awesome. Uh, what about my, Marvel Geeks? Mighty Marvel Geeks. Uh, we talked everything marvel and again same thing uh no matter what it is mcu it's not just disney owned marvel but everything marvel uh originally when the show came about um wookie radio mighty marvel geeks is also appears on sorcerer radio which is the top disney fan run internet radio station uh and we make up two hours of programming on saturday nights for them and uh, originally, 
since they were a Disney themed radio station, we were going to keep it to the Disney owned Marvel properties. Well, then I, one day I went on uh, Marvel.com and they're pushing Spider the Spider-Man movie. I'm like, well, I guess we could change that up on the show. <laughs> and, and we did. So um, we changed it up. Talk about everything. Um, we even go to the point, I mean, we're honest on, in our feelings. We, we don't strip a coat. Uh, like season one, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Garbage. There, I think I could, last time I counted, there was like eight episodes that could have gone away, and that season would have been so much better. Um, I could totally understand that. The uh, so that's awesome. The 2015 fantastic flop. <laughs> that right there should tell you how we feel about it. Um, oh yeah. So you guys are honest about it. You don't sugarcoat. Oh, yeah, coat, like yeah we don't. We don't sugarcoat. And then Weeby Geeks is just general pop culture. We cover everything. So, nice. That's awesome. So welcome aboard. We're thanks. glad to have you. Well, welcome aboard over to the collective. Glad you I, didn't re- resist. Well, that chip, <laughs> putting the chip in the, behind my ear kind of stung a little bit, but you know, oh. Mike's is go. Mike's is going in next week, so it's okay. Um, uh, oh, I forgot to tell him. His ain't his isn't going behind the ear though. No. <laughs> no, it's going a little lower. It's okay. Oh, suddenly I'm really intrigued. Exactly. There you go. Spinal tap. <laughs> exactly. Ha, 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 ha. So are you ready to now since you've gotten nice and comfortable as part of the welcome to the ESO network? How about a ch- little visit to the geek seat? Since you ready? Sure. Should I be scared? Sure. I'm scared. Hmm, some people have survived. Some people haven't. Some people are still stuck in the chair. So, you know, it's kind of cool. Let's see what happens. We have former co-hosts still sitting in the back. It's okay. Oh, that's what those so, bones were. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, exactly. So, are you ready for your first question, Mike? Ready, willing, and not able. What was your favorite geek out moment? Favorite geek out moment. Okay. As an adult or as a kid? As what? This is your segment, dude. Oh. Whatever you want. I think probably my favorite geek out moment is when I saw Star Wars um, the very first time. Uh, okay. I was six. It was the, the year I turned seven. Uh, I have an August birthday. So Star Wars always came out three months before, or two months. Yeah, three months before I was my birthday. Um, we went to a drive in movie theater and it was Star It was double feature Star Wars followed by Star Wars. Oh, nice. And my parents said I stayed up to watch both viewings with no problems at all. That I was awesome. that hooked. Wow. Right from the very beginning. Right from the get-go. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Most disappointing geek out moment. Uh, I was tougher. Okay. It it really is. Um I, th- I think my most disappointing geek out moment probably has to be um I mean like the rest of my family, I like Harry Potter. 
but going to Wizarding World of of Harry Potter here at Universal, uh, Universal Orlando for the first time, it, it was impressive. But I think just how crowded it was and seeing it, and of course comparing it to how we would do I, I work at Disney World as as well. Um Comparing it to how we have things set up at Disney and knowing what could have been, I, I was I was disappointed. No, oh, sure. I, 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 was, I was very very disappointed. Okay. What geeks you out the most? <laughs> Lately, what geeks me out the most is uh, part of why Adventures in Geek got started is watching my daughter discover her fandoms and geek out on stuff that she loves it's the best feeling in the world my friend it is it truly is saw that with my son and you're going through that now with your daughter which is really awesome well other biggest geek out moment uh i mean if i had to throw another one in that was almost a tie with seeing it was taking my daughter to see force awakens uh, she was five at the time right uh, my dad was still alive and, oh, that's awesome. And here sitting in a row is my dad, me, and then my daughter. Three generations. I'm looking at her watching the screen all wide-eyed and awed. And I happen to glance over, and there's my dad smiling at me, watching me, watching her, going, yep, I've been in your shoes. Enjoy this type mm-hmm. look. It doesn't get much better. No, that is pretty awesome. It doesn't. Uh-huh. What turns your geek off? Twilight. <laughs> okay. Sorry. But I, no, that's Va- good. Vampires should only go, should only sparkle right before they go poof. <laughs> that, no, that's awesome. I, I am not a big Twilight fan. Uh, I will admit uh, I'm a man enough, geek enough to admit, um, but I was also kind of scared to admit because of circumstances my mother-in-law got my wife the dvd when it came out um when she was pregnant with my daughter so we sat down i went to watch it my wife is i'm like and and critiquing it i'm like um then do i need to can i get up and leave she goes no if i'm gonna suffer through this you're gonna suffer through this Judy dragged me to the movie theater to see it. So um, that's when I learned you don't argue with a pregnant woman. No, no, no. <laughs> so I started to doze off, and I got hit in the head. Wake up! If I'm watching this, you're watching this. Okay, that's awesome. Yep. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet? Fictional character I would like to meet. Um, there's two. And I would love to meet them both at the same time because I think it'd be a very interesting conversation. Sure. Indiana Jones and Dr. Afra. Oh, those are two interesting characters. Almost, How would they mix together? That would be an interesting. They're both archaeologists. Touche, but, you know, we see what happens to Indiana Jones when he's around other archaeologists. That's, hey, it, it's, it's my fantasy yeah, that's true. All right, I, I can hold I can hold pistols on both of them. Go either behave, or you both get shot. 
And then who shot? And then who shot first? Mike did. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the least? Uh, anyone from Twilight. <laughs> no. So no team Jacob, no team. Yeah. Got it. Okay. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Favorite geek phrase is um, my favorite geek phrase is bite my shiny metal ass. Good old Bender. All right. I love Futurama. Understandable. What is your ideal geek occupation? Uh, I think I'm doing it. Podcasting. Okay. I mean, that's, it, it, it's the first person ever who said that. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not quite a, it's, true. it's not quite a paying job yet. Um, I mean, my real job, I'm an audio engineer. Um, and I've been in the entertainment industry over 33 years. Uh, and I, I loved every minute of it and looking forward to more. Um, but geek wise, I, I like podcasting. Um, Someone who's usually behind the mic and behind the scenes and not talk, it it took a while for me to be comfortable being in front of the mic, so to speak. In no, this of type course. of manner. So I knew where you were going with yeah. that. Usually I'm behind the scenes. I'm at the mixing console. Um now being being a vocal talent, a talking head, it's it's different and uh over eight years, I've grown to enjoy it. Nice. That's really awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do, though? Um, pooper scooper for for whatever Twilight werewolves are there. Wow. Hey, I knew you, it was going to do it Twilight. I knew it was going to be Twilight. I knew it was. Wait, you know, we're going to work back to Twilight. Yeah. Of course. Okay, your final question for the geek seat. This is the make or break question for you, dude. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Oh. Ultimate geek fantasy. If the wife gave me a hall pass. That always is going to be trouble right there. I know. I know. Um, Slave Leia. Colonel Deering. Um, and, um, there, there's an actress who I've become really good friends with, but, you know, I, 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 I don't want to mention her name cause I, I don't want to embarrass myself. You're, um, you don't want to be bring shame to your entire family. I, I've probably done that many many times so i'm not worried about that it, it's, okay. it's it's more of uh i really treasure uh actually there's a couple people and i really treasure their friendship and uh i i, I feel embarrassed at times to even have those type of thoughts but uh geek fantasy though um slave Leia and colonel daring uh 24-hour pass with them i mean that was when when Carrie Fisher was in the metal bikini and Aaron Gray in the different outfits from Buck Rogers, uh, 
forget Farrah Fawcett, forget the others in, you know, Charlene Teague. Those two were it for me. That's awesome, man. So, well, Mr. Mike, got some very good news for you. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. Uh, you have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, which is great because now you're a part of it. So that works out for you. Awesome. It's a value easily worth, oh, I don't know if this is too late to tell you, but it's $19.08. Okay. And it's only up here on the station. You can't even take it home with you. Okay. So I got, so. So I got a discount. Exactly. Oh, you got a big old discount. Okay. <laughs> no, did you ever? Well, Mr. Mike, we are very happy to be associated with you guys now. Yes, and, oh, we're happy to be associated you with, with you us. Yeah. It's going to be a great, great partnership, and we're looking forward to growing all together. Oh, looking forward to it. Let's take a quick break, and we are going to be back in a moment, and we are going to be talking about the best shit we ever ate. Part two. <laughs> what? This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. You know, it's kind of funny. It has been quite a few months now since I've actually gotten to talk about box office stuff. I used to just take it for granted that every week I'm going to jump on Rotten Tomatoes, see what's coming out new in theaters to talk about in my little blurb for the ESO podcast. And really, we haven't had a lot of new movies in theaters due to the coronavirus pandemic. We've had some stuff come out like Christopher Nolan's Tenet, but of course it's kind of underperformed because people aren't just ready to go back to theaters by and large. Some theaters aren't even open in sections of the country. So it's really looking unlikely that in 2020 we'll have a lot of big blockbusters to talk about. It's going to be a really interesting experience at the end of the year going through my highlights of the year because really the last big movie I think I saw in theaters was the Harley Quinn movie back in February, which is crazy to think about. Um... So yeah, it's it's a strange year for sure, and sometimes it's hard to think of new things to talk about each week just because there's really no movies coming out in theaters. We do, of course, have a lot on streaming, but I feel like it's kind of a weird time. It's super fragmented. There's so much out there on different streaming services that not everybody is necessarily watching the same thing. I mean, everybody was buzzing about Tiger King earlier this year, but... I feel like it's not the same as when Endgame came out. Like, everybody was going to see it. Everybody was talking about it. Which, in some ways, can be a good and a bad thing. Because I feel like now more than ever is a great time to really explore and go hunt down some hidden gems that you've not seen before. I'm getting caught up on some movies that I've always wanted to see, but had just never gotten around to watching, re-watching some favorite TV series and movies. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I get so caught up in what's coming out that's new that I forget about some old favorites. And it's really cool to just watch those again and relive some happy memories and remind myself of what I loved about these movies and TV shows. So I think that this is a great time if you're somebody who has a big passion for pop culture and geek entertainment like I do. It's kind of sad we don't have new movies to go talk about and write about and podcast about, but there's still plenty of stuff out there to dive into. 
Something new that I did get a chance to check out recently is the Enola Holmes movie on Netflix. This is another adaptation of the famous Sherlock Holmes story, except told from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, Enola, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown, who is best known for her performance as Eleven in Stranger Things. It's a fun movie so far. I've watched about half of it, and it's kind of one of those movies that I feel like if I had paid to see it in theaters, I might have been a little disappointed or more critical, but it's fun to watch at home and good way to pass the time, so I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of that. I did get a chance to watch the full trailer of WandaVision, the new MCU show premiering on Disney+. Plus. I think it looks super weird. I do not mean that as a negative in any way. It looks quirky, interesting, playing around with time, reality, so I'm all about that. I'm sure I've said this before, but my goal for the new era of MCU, I really want to see them push the envelope. Like, Endgame was a great way to wrap up what we've seen before, but now I want to see some stuff from superheroes that's going to blow my mind and do really crazy things. And so I'm looking forward to that. And it is good to have some things to look forward to, even if the year is definitely not playing out as we thought. Like, by now, I would have loved to see Black Widow, Wonder Woman, all those other fun movies that we're going to be in our summer movie preview. But it's still nice to have these little series. And I think that going forward, we may have even more TV series or mini series based entertainment as studios are struggling financially during this time of coronavirus. And so it might be harder to get funding for big blockbusters like Avengers Endgame. So we may see smaller scale, smaller budgeted stuff for streaming platforms like Disney Plus, but again, may not necessarily be a bad thing as long as the storytelling is good. Not everything has to be end of the world stakes. Sometimes it's nice to tell a story that's a little more character focused and narrower in scale and scope. And that's all I've got for Box Office Buzz this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website. This summer I've been having fun watching some different streaming services, going back and catching some older series. So I'd also love to hear what you're watching and finding for entertainment as well. So love to see you comment on some of my posts and make recommendations. Like I said before, this is a great time to explore and try something new. So definitely send those recommendations my way. We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science movies tv shows and whatever's going on in the news it's what we do we smoke cigars and we know things find us on cigarnerdpodcast.com we're also on the eso network Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time to talk all about our favorite we like to eat. All right, take it away, Mikey. We have some guests with us this time. We do. Who's pa- we uh, who's paneling yeah, we, with we us? We are we are we are eating outside. 
So for those people who are listening to this, we're not eating in an enclosed environment, but we've got a full menu here uh, and I can't wait to talk all about it and decide what we're going to eat. Um, we've got joining us once again. Uh, it's good to have him back on the station. Keith Johnson is back. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Howdy, sir. Good You're day. one of the I'm biggest glad... foodies I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see that you survived Dragon Con. Yeah, it was it was different, but I'll take anything I can get. Can't be in person, do it virtually. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's what we're doing here. We're eating virtually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm sure I'll get hungry and cravings that are real, all too real after this. Um, <laughs> and then we also have now, Mike. Is this her debut on the show? It had been on like ten years ago. Yeah, I think you were on when your son was the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> But we have, so it's been a long time coming for her return then. Uh, we've got Cheryl with us. Cheryl, it's glad to have you back here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about food. I love eating food. I love hearing other people talk about food. That'll be a good, a good fit for me. See, growing up, our, food, our family mantra basically is what's for the next meal? So basically, as we're eating breakfast, so what are we doing for lunch today? You know, <laughs> you were already planning it. It's like it's like the Hobbit movie. I mean, the, oh, the Lord of the Rings movies, right? <laughs> oh, of course, definitely. And you know, it it's you know, I think our family crest was a bagel and locks with fork and knife <laughs> next to it. We actually have the t-shirts. We do. We, we do. <laughs> okay, so the way this works is that we've all picked uh, two types of foods that we're going to go around and all talk about uh, the best or favorite uh, times that we've had this particular food. Uh, and Cheryl, we're going to start with you because you are, you haven't been here for a while. So let's, uh, let's, let's start with your food that you've, you've chosen for us. So I tried to think outside of the box. Okay. Maybe actually inside the box, the box that sits in your kitchen. So my first category is going to be, what is the best you've ever eaten out of your freezer? Okay. So I know that sounds whack, but in this day and age, there are so many awesome choices of frozen foods out there. I mean, we're not talking about when we were, me and Michael were growing up, me and Mike would have those Salisbury steak dinners there's a few things that have right right those tv dinners um mike yeah yeah Um, of course um, you're funny anyway yeah but i didn't hear that at all the test of time but (laughs) for the most part what i do i share my first favorite thing i eat out of the freezer mike absolutely yes yes we we need to hear from you first so lay it okay so i've got am i allowed (laughs) i've got um two Am I allowed to do two? Absolutely. So the, my sure. favorite thing is this brand called Sweet Earth. I have been a vegetarian now for a little bit over three years. And um, they make an empanada that is a Cubano empanada. So it's like a hot pocket, but it is way better, way better. And it tastes, it has fake ham that tastes amazing, but pickles and Swiss cheese and it is so delicious. So I wanted to now put the challenge to you. I will eat that any day of the week and I can't find them. Um, you know, maybe some of the um, fancier health food stores might have them now, but. Anyway, oh, yeah, so you don't know if, it's, if they're still making it? 
So you don't no, know they are, okay. but it's hard to find. I went to Target and yelled at somebody because it was on their website and wasn't there. So they are the sweet earth empanadas. The other thing that I'll just mention real quick, because I, I Trader Joe's has the best French onion soup freezer. So you cook it in a little crock and then you can add another piece of provolone on top of it and it gets all bubbly. And it's actually for you vegetarians out there made with veggie broth, not beef broth. It's got the bread in it and everything. So mm. that is my challenge to you guys. What is the best thing that you can get out, eat out of your freezer? What's the best yeah. you've ever eaten? <laughs> best, Cheryl, best do you also remember when we used to get those chicken Kievs that we used to have to microwave? Oh, right. Oh, man. I remember we would cook them and you'd have to cook them for like an hour and 20 minutes and then they'd be raw and pink in the middle. Oh, yeah. It's one yeah. of the reasons why they're Yep. Yep. Y'all enough remember the TV dentist with the foil on it. You oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're that old. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are. Yeah. yeah that's it's why sitting we in front of the TV, TV trays. Love the, yes. Love the ZZ Top video. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Saturday night TV dinner. Oh, is Carol that your Burnett. choice, Keith? Is that TV dinners? Is that your choice? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I would have to drop out. I can't. I can't <laughs> listen to TV dinners. <laughs> I don't know. Even, I don't even know if Swanson is still. I think they're still around, right? They're oh, they are. They are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You they can are. go. Oh, you can go, you can go to the grocery store. Hungry Man is still around. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes. Good stuff. So, so what's your right. what's, what is your pick, Keith? I, when I remember when I was in college, back when you didn't worry about what you ate, the calories you ate, what time of the day you ate it, and all that kind of good stuff, I would stay up late a lot. And back when I was in college in Texas, Star Trek used to come on at like 10 o'clock at night. And I remember eating what I would call straight up dinner at 1030 at night, because why not? You're in college, right? And if you stay up that late and I stay up till one or two in the morning studying and stuff like that. So you needed something to fuel you. And in that case, it's sugar. And Pepperidge Farm makes these apple turnovers. You may have seen them in the store. They're just these frozen apple turnovers. They have puff pastry crust that they're made out of. And when they bake up, it's kind of like, you know, on TV when uh, Pillsbury and stuff, when they show the things baked, they almost never bake like they do in real life. It's kind of like the hamburgers that are incredibly impossibly uh, big on the screen. But these things, these turnovers, these apple turnovers bake like that they rise really high and they're just full of apples and sugar and little bits of raisins and cinnamon. They are incredibly good. And they're one of those things, just don't look at the ingredients and don't look at the calories. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like 20 grams of fat per turnover. And I don't even want to know about the sugar. They are just incredibly good and decadent. That puff pastry crust fantastic add some ice cream to it and you've got a meal and you wouldn't think that puff pastry would do well frozen but oh it's great it's great really oh, yeah. really good well it's interesting because you know on on our podcast calories don't count so don't worry about yeah it. yeah this is this is a this is a no calorie zone excellent so, right yes. uh, it's, it's all virtual calories yeah exactly. there you go. <laughs> that's why i'm doing virtual atkins right now so it's okay <laughs> so so mike what about you well like you know cheryl was talking you know we grew up with frozen food we had frozen food coming out of our freezer because mom and dad were never around 
And so, you know, we made dinners for ourselves. We became very handy at the microwave and, you know, easy dinners, easy dinners to heat up and everything. But as you got older, you know, your tastes change and you grow and such. With frozen food, one of my favorite places to go to pick up any kind of frozen food is Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's has an amazing assortment of frozen food, and it's great to have when you're trying to have a quick dinner before recording, or you're getting off late from work, or you're having to rush out to go do something. A a frozen meal is easy to make, easy to warm up. And I have two picks, actually, from Trader Joe's. Uh, Basically... Trader Joe's has an amazing handcrafted black bean and cheese toquito. That is just amazing. That sounds great. And everything. And Judy and I used to just eat those for dinner. And they would be great. We'd have put a little salsa on the side of our plate and to be able to dip them and everything. And they are just awesome. Uh, also for lunches, though, Trader Joe's has an amazing thing that I had never seen before. It was a frozen mac and cheese with pepperoni on top. It is amazing. That sounds weird, but oh, <laughs> I thought it was like we- I thought it was weird too. But yeah. it is so good. It is just it is great, and it is like an evil, basically you know, an evil kind of you know, gooey gift for me for lunch sometimes. <laughs> and you know, I'd probably do it once a month or something, but it's great. And it's what two bucks or three bucks to get from TJ's. And it's an easy lunch to f- when you're in the office and just go to the lunchroom and heat it up or at home. It's pretty awesome. I've noticed over the last, I'm uh, sorry. I've noticed over the last yeah. few years that uh, it seems like Mac and cheese is getting more and more like not just Mac and cheese anymore. Like, oh no. Just eats Mac and cheese. They just like, it has to have something else added to it. No, the honorable mention with their mac and cheese is also they have a jalapeno and chili pepper mac and cheese, which is just awesome also. Wow. Yeah, Mike, I, I know what you talk about mac and cheese. If it does, nowadays you go out to a restaurant, if it doesn't have at least three different cheeses in it. Oh, God, yeah. Not mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but since, you know, but we're talking frozen because I can go off of getting some at restaurants that were just amazing. But, you know, we're not going to do that right now. And that's a Trader Joe's brand, the mac and cheese? Yes. Because frozen mac and cheese is, that's that's really good, is a rare find, actually. Oh, no. So Trader, Trader Joe's? Huh. It's a lot okay. of, that's a big challenge I find in general, is just finding frozen foods that when you, once you reheat them, right, live up to what they look like on the box or what you think they're going to taste like, or usually they're, I find that usually they're really bland or whatever. And that's why... When, um, you know, a few years ago, when one of my friends had, um, they were getting frozen steaks from Omaha. Mm. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that frozen, like you're getting your steaks shipped to you um, and they're frozen, that they're going to be amazing in any way. Um, That they're not, they're, they're, they're going to be, they're not going to be superior if not even equal to like stuff that you can just go down the street and buy in your grocery store or whatever. But uh, he had me over one time for a steak. And let me tell you that uh, the Omaha steaks are the true, are the real deal. Like I'm a meat potatoes guy. And uh, if I could afford it, I would, uh, I would do the Omaha steak thing because they're pretty, they're great. They're just amazing. And I think they're even better in a lot of cases than what, 
at least locally I have in my stores. Cool. So you couldn't see the whip marks from where the jockey was hitting it. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so it's, uh, th- so that's, that would be my pick. Um, not something I have very often. As a matter of fact, I haven't had it in a couple of years. Um, just because there's a price tag with steak. <laughs> yes. <indeed. laughs> plus, oh, yes. I, plus I really don't have a kitchen that's equipped to handle anything like that. Right. That net right at the moment. So, so unfortunately, in five years, it'll be vegetarian, vegetable matter that looks like steak. Exactly. It'll yeah. be it'll be impossible meat well, steak. I think I think yeah. you know I think they predicted in the future, which we're just a few years away from, we'll just have a pill that tastes like steak, right? I mean, it's just it all yeah. be like flavored yes. pills, right? So it'll be just like in Willy Wonka, you know, when she <laughs> took the, the gun. No, <laughs> no, no. Violet Beauregard. Exactly. And it always works either. until they get to dessert. Then they just bump up. <laughs> all right well, so they made candy corn that tastes like thanksgiving dinner did you see that that's a, that sounds like a willy wonka thing yes huh. <laughs> i don't know about that sounds, that. that sounds like a yeah, that sounds like <laughs> a uh what was the uh i can't remember what it was the the, the vruca salt thing that she took right and then she said oh it tastes like smashed potatoes and then it was the blueberry pie that hit. Oh, I did. I saw it. It's happening. I would be. Definitely. I would be deathly afraid. That movie scarred me. I would be afraid to t- to take that. Uh, That's why I wouldn't take a cruise for years. You know. <laughs> Where's right. the chicken head going to get chopped off? So oh. our next, our next food item, uh, Keith. What you got? Barbecue. Oh, barbecue. barbecue. That is so typical. Now I, mean, I hate to be this. But now it's a good thing that we're all in separate places because i've seen people fight over what the best barbecue is <laughs> dude oh it is i mean barbecue is literally one of the most divisive foods i think that exists because there's so many different types i'm a texan so i have a very specific belief in barbecue but i'm a texan from the dallas fort worth area which is different from somebody from down houston way or austin way or east texas so but i just i i just love everything about barbecue i i grew up with the spicy and sweet tradition a barbecue so and also beef because it's texas so i really like um a good barbecue i remember when i moved to atlanta back in 1987 and i remember when i first came here i started going around for looking for barbecue and i couldn't find any because everywhere i'd go somewhere i'd go yeah can i have some barbecue beef brisket well it's pork like, okay where's your beef brisket it's pork and then i'd say okay well give me some sauce and they give me this stuff that to me was like colored water that was sauce you know, and I pour it out. I'm like, what is this? It was like, might as well take vinegar and pour a little ketchup in it because I'm kind of used to the thick and sweet sauce. Um, there's a big thing back home in Texas is barbecue bologna. It is absolutely uh, normal. Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is normal. You go to a grocery store and there's a big roll of bologna on a rotisserie spigot and it's, it's doing this thing over the deli and they're brushing it with, with barbecue sauce and then they slice the bologna and put it on some white bread for you dude it is absolutely normal back home you know what if add a, bar- a little bit of coleslaw to that and my mouth is uh, watering there you go <laughs> <laughs> i love that so, yeah so i have ever since i moved here i'm always trying barbecue joints i've been on a quest for barbecue and when I, my personal opinion when i moved to atlanta in 87 there was no good barbecue because it's southern barbecue i'm not i'm not the vinegar tomato sauce pork kind of guy i'm more the beef and the thick and sweet uh, spicy sauce the other thing that's a big deal for me is there's a debate everywhere at barbecue where people always say like down um, austin way austin texas the hill country they don't believe in sauce a lot 
And there's always been that debate about, is it the meat or is it the sauce? And the answer is yes. I mean, I don't even see what the, I mean, I don't even understand that debate. The meat should be so incredible that you can eat it without the sauce. And the sauce should be so incredible that you want to put it on the meat. So, yeah, that was the way I was raised. The sauce is supposed to be great and the meat is supposed to be great. And one place that I have found, I've eaten everywhere. I've eaten at Fox Brothers. I've eaten at a place called Rolling Bones Pit Barbecue that used to be up on the west side of Atlanta. I've eaten at uh, Community Q on Claremont. I've tried them all. But for me, the best barbecue I have tasted so far in Atlanta is oddly a place called Heirloom Barbecue up on Acres Mill Road. Interesting. yeah, near Cumberland Mall. You ever been there? No, it sounds interesting, though. It is fantastic. The thing is, there's, there's a the couple that owns it. The guy is from Tennessee and has gotten some training from there. The lady, I forget her name, and I should have looked this up. She was a teenage pop superstar in South Korea for <laughs> several years. Seriously. Yeah, she's like on Britney Spears level of pop stardom in South Korea. And after winning some contests and selling a whole bunch of albums, she looked around and said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be wanting to do this pop thing for a long time or if I'm going to be able to continue with it. And she'd always had a tradition of doing food. So she turned to start uh, doing food. And what I love about Heirloom Barbecue is she brings Korean spices to the mix and he brings the more traditional barbecue traditions to the mix. And beef is the primary thing. They have chicken as well. So they'll do like barbecue beef brisket, barbecue ribs, uh, barbecue links, and they do kimchi there. And oh, wow. they, yeah, and they infuse a lot of the barbecue with, with the Korean spices. You can get sauces that are infused with Korean spices. It is really good. It sits in this little place next to a gas station. You can barely stand up. It's so small, which honestly, to me, is often the, the hallmark of a great place. Kind of like that show, Diners, Dive-Ins, and Drives or whatever. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. I grew up in that old tradition, and my wife gets on me a lot about this now. I grew up in that old tradition where if you saw, this place is really good and clean, but if you saw a place that was kind of looked like it was ramshackle and small, or if you saw some old dude on the side of a road with a, with a, with a, a cooker, like, okay, you got to stop. That's going to be great. <laughs> Most of the time, uh, you're right. Yeah. So it it is really fantastic. The, the food is cooked well. They have all kinds of great sauces. Uh, one of the biggest problems at barbecue is sometimes the sides are not that good or they're an afterthought. The sides are all really good here. The prices are great. It's a fantastic place. If you ever go before holidays, you have to stand out in line because everybody's lined up to get the food. That is, in my opinion, the best barbecue in Atlanta, even better than Fox Brothers. It's called Heirloom Barbecue. Oh, oh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Texan talking about Fox Brothers, and they're from Texas. Yeah, uh-huh. really. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to piggyback off you a, a little bit because you actually mentioned my pick, which is Community Q. Yeah. Uh, Community Q is uh, near Emory, of course. Um, and uh, I, I like barbecue, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize like how like good it could be until I had uh, had it there. Um, uh, particularly the brisket uh, was just so tender, yeah. um, and I mean, just melts in your mouth in every best way possible, and. Uh, um and like you said too i think not only if you're going you know i mean obviously we're talking about barbecue but if you're talking about like the whole experience the sides matter too and their yeah. their three cheese mac is is the bomb too 
sinful, so, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I think, um, it's, it's St. Louis style, right? I think that's what they, they sort of advertise or kind of link themselves to over there. Um, so, uh, but to be honest with you, I'm not a, I'm not a barbecue connoisseur. So I don't like, I know that there's, you know, I know there's Memphis style and Southern style and Texas and Kansas city. city. Yeah. yeah Kansas like. city too. So, um, uh, Chicago, so I guess, I, yeah. So, but see, look, I'm from Massachusetts. I don't know squat about barbecue. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just know that that's the best I've had here and, uh, and anywhere actually. So, um, so, uh, Cheryl, what about you? What's the best barbecue you've had? It's vegetarian. All right, you're gonna think I'm. You're gonna think I'm pissing up. Okay? You can barbecue. First you can off, barbecue I, on vegetarian. Wait, stuff. wait. Yeah. Well, I have only been a vegetarian for three and a half years. I love meat. I loved it, and I miss it. And this is making me really hungry. Um, but my favorite barbecue is. Judy's brisket. Okay. Okay, you're sucking up. (laughs) One Christmas, I like made Judy's brisket in the crock pot. I got these hollow rolls, like those really eggy hollow rolls. I had coleslaw, like they. It was delicious. So that I've been all over the country too. I've been Kansas City. I have been to Austin, Texas, because I was sitting here thinking like my favorite because I've traveled. Wow. I've been to San Antonio, um, Memphis. That was my favorite, but my favorite barbecue meal was that okay, Christmas Mike, with the if, family. Wow, Mike, if Cheryl is saying that that barbecue is better than Austin and Memphis, dude, you got to do something about that. Oh yeah, no, it's actually. <laughs> I hate to say it, she's right. She wow, she is truthfully she right. Needs- brisket judy's oh, brisket yeah. is the bomb and yeah, all those rolls and coleslaw oh yeah yeah it, it, and it then, is just and awesome Dell's mom makes the mac and cheese from panera like you know with the, the shells with mm-hmm. like real Ooh. light yellow that's a good oh. mac mm-hmm. oh well, yeah that was see, a good night see that for was me a good night here yeah. see for for me growing up in Maryland, we had we didn't have traditional barbecue up in Maryland in you know the Mid Atlantic area. They have what they call pit beef, mm-hmm. and there you know, and it's pretty much the same thing. And we used to go to this place growing up. It was called O'Brien's, and my dad was like obsessed with this place. And so we were there probably at least two times a week, and we would be getting, you know, the brisk, the chopped brisket sandwich with the barbecue sauce and the coleslaw. And it, to me, nothing other than Judy's brisket has, you know, I was going to say, you're not even picking Judy's brisket. (laughs) No, her brisket's in another, in a different class. This is true. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. yeah. Because it is baked, it is crock potted in sauce, right? So yeah, hers is not smoked or whatever and everything. Yeah. I was gonna have to make a list, but remembering Judy's brisket is easy. I don't even have to do a URL. No, <laughs> no you, just, that, you just have to remember a phone number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that kind of just the the way they cut it and the way they because they smoked it the same way barbecue does in the mm-hmm. South and everything. And when I moved to Seattle, there was no real barbecue out there. They had yeah. barbecue places. They were good, but not like. I was so excited when I was moving to the South because I was coming to the home of, you know, barbecue and 
pit mm-hmm. beef and the whole thing. And it was just, it was just awesome. And I was so looking forward to it. And when we got here, you know, we found places like, you know, community barbecue and don't even bring up Sonny's or places like that or, you know, but then you had, you know, Fox Brothers and yeah. Fox Brothers is the bomb, you know. That's yeah. It yeah. is good. And we also have another place right around the corner from us called Grand Champion Barbecue and which is really good too. And so it's there's it just depends on your taste. I don't do pork all that much and it's you know I like I like some, you know, barbecue pork and such, but brisket has always my, been my favorite because it's what I grew up with. So it's pretty cool. Brisket's yeah, my I'm favorite eating. now. Yeah, smoke, <laughs> pork used to be my favorite, sauce. but yeah, and barbecue yeah. smoked sausage is a big thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, barbecue, barbecue is it's also maybe for me, barbecue is almost really personal. I mean, because like you said, Mike, there's so many different flavors. I mean, you can do chicken, you can do oh, exactly you goat, you know, you can do all this kind of stuff, and nothing hurts my feelings more than go to a lousy barbecue place. I mean, one that's not even good. If it's just bad, you're like, oh my, you know, ugh. I was ugh. so disappointed the first time I went to a friend's house and they went, oh, we're doing barbecue tonight. I went, all right, can't wait. And it was hot dogs and uh, burgers. <laughs> they're barbecuing. You know, that's what they do. It's, oh, I see. I see. They're just a generic term. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Instead, of, instead of saying grilling, they go barbecuing, you know. Yeah. I, I think I think that's one of the things that's fun about doing the these shows, Keith, is that mm-hmm. the, you're right. All these choices are very personal, and you find that sometimes, or a lot of oftentimes, what the the best thing you like or the favorite thing you like is like mm-hmm. linked to the first time you had it, that experience. Yeah. Even if it's like, you know, even if it's even if your first time isn't the best thing that you could have. It's right. not the best way. It's oh, you could have had so much better. Like if your first burger is like say McDonald's, right? Yeah. Um, like for that's not for the most best people. Bur- it was though, right? That's not the best burger. We all know that's not the best burger you can have, exactly. but by any means. But yet mm-hmm. it kind of leads you. It it sort of dictates where you go from there, right? And and yeah. that experience, right? Um, and uh and on that note uh mike so what's what's your pick that uh, we can uh, get all personal about how about pizza everyone always has their own kind of pizza that Ooh. they just love and yeah. you know for me it always it is taste you know for you know what what kind of taste people swear by new york style pizza some people do chicago deep dish some people say you know there's been fights between new york and new jersey who has a better pizza you know type thing and it's the same thing with bagels and it's it just it just depends where you get it what kind of pizza and pizzas become so crafty and there's a pizza place almost 10 per town that you can get and each one no two are the same and yeah. that's the cool thing about it. And everyone's taste is pretty subjective. You know, what I might love might not be the same thing that, you know, Mike or Keith or Cheryl might like. So it just all depends. And for me, the best pizza that, that I've ever eaten was the shit. It truly was. When I was in Chicago, we went to Gino's East and we mm, got yes. we got traditional deep dish pizza. And yes. it was to die for. And, you know, we have a place here in Atlanta called Nancy Chicago pizza, which is decent for Atlanta, but nothing, something about being at Gino's and getting the pizza. And it was just awesome. 
Yes. Crust, that crust is crazy. Yeah, the crust, all the cheese, you know, do not go eat it if you're lactose intolerant, folks. Just don't. You know, you're, you're going to be paying for it for weeks. And it, prone to heartburn. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, it's, oh it, it's, it is the best I've ever had, you know, and I've had some amazing New York pizzas in Manhattan. And, you know, there's some great, great places that we've gotten. But my mind always goes back to Gino's and it's pretty awesome because, you know, we even had a place in Maryland called, you know, that were, that sure serves uh pizza in a pan and it's called Lido's and they do square pizzas and it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty awesome also. And so it depends, you know, what you're into, but Gino's just stood up above the rest. I have been to Gino's and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm more of a, Giordano's, Giordano's guy myself, but, okay. but, but Gino's is, it's, I mean, we're not talking about like a big space there. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, you're a winner. It's a win-win either way. Um, yeah. and, and deep dish pizza is something that you can, like, I can't, I've tried to get it other places, but if you're not in Chicago, you're not going to get deep dish, good deep dish pizza. No. Um, and which is a shame, I guess in some ways, because if I lived in Chicago, I'd be like twice as big as I am. <laughs> I hear yeah. you, brother. I forgot about Orlando, And you can also get frozen Giordano's back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that good. That could be. Um, um, yeah, I, I, but I definitely agree. Oh, man, they're the, the thing I like about Gino's East, too, is that they, um, they do the when they if you get a sausage one it they don't just like it's not just pieces of sausage they build the pie around this massive sausage like it's just yeah. it's huge it's great it's amazing it's filling it's it's wonderful uh uh keith what about you wow mike Minton and gino's that just that just took me back to when i lived in the chicago area and i first had gino's i'd never had deep dish i love that crust i love and this is not a, i don't mean this insult me i love the kind of greasiness of that of that pizza it's fantastic um so since mike already mentioned that i'll go for another one there's a place here that has two restaurants here in atlanta that has really fantastic pizza it's considered uh, more neapolitan it's called veruni veruna veruni napoli I think they have Ver one. Veruna, I think it's Veruna. Yeah. Veruna Nepali. Yeah. yeah, they have one in Crog Street Market and one in uh, Midtown. And the reason I like the pizza, because again, you know, I just talked about barbecue, and I, I kind of like spicy food that has a little kick to it. They have a pizza there with the traditional red sauce, but the red sauce has it's it's a spicy red sauce, mm -hmm. and so it's not just sweet, you know. Like I guess it's funny. I'm talking about barbecue now, Mike. You're talking about pizza, and then you're talking about tomato sauce. And just as with barbecue, which is based on tomato sauce, pizza, the tomato sauce and pizza can have all kinds of variations of flavors and taste. And their pizza, they have one that has a red sauce that's a little spicy. It has a little kick to it, almost like a barbecue sauce or sloppy joe sauce. But it's not barbecue because that's I don't like barbecue pizza. But they have just a really fantastic sauce. The bread is kind of low gluten, but it's not gluten free. And they do all fresh ingredients, which is ridiculously important. Like the basil is fresh. The mozzarella is fresh. They get their olive oil from Italy. And it's just an amazing pie. Uh, every time I eat it, a couple slices fills me. And I've ordered it a lot when we were working. And I, because I worked down the American Cancer Society building, and I used to order it through Uber Eats. 
And now that I'm not working downtown anymore because of COVID, they actually deliver to my house. I order them like once every week or two. And it's just really, really, really good pizza. It's not deep dish, but it's very, very filling. Once you taste that sauce, you can almost put it on bread and eat it with a sandwich. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Wow. Wow. That would be my choice. Um, Although once Mike starts mentioning Gino's, oh, boy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to see if Gold Billy can send Gugino's to me. <laughs> oh, we're going to use that for deli food, so it's okay. <laughs> Cheryl, what about you? What's, uh, what's the best pizza? There's a place in Pittsburgh right off of 30 called Vincent's Pizza Pie, and the pizzas are works of art, you know, like the bubbles that come up and they turn black, and the cheese is like greasy city i mean like pools oh my gosh the sausage oh i love the sausage this vegetarian um just pieces <laughs> of sausage and vince like you would it's the biggest dive place vincent himself he's no longer with us would be you'd see him in the back you know tossing the pies with the cigarette coming out of it <laughs> like you wonder if like that was being dipped in there but oh man that pizza is you can't eat for like two days after i mean seriously like you get a big pie then they wrap it in paper you know what i mean the leftovers they don't have boxes they just wrap it in paper and the paper turns completely you know translucent (laughs) right it's so good you can't eat it like you have every intention like i can't wait to eat this again we we would end up probably like late we don't live in pittsburgh anymore so we get it on the way home from Pittsburgh Steeler games. We would stop and just have this amazing meal. And then we'd bring it home and we'd be like, I don't think I can eat this again for another six months. So we usually end up freezing the leftovers. And then you got to, you can't microwave it. I mean, it has to be baked again at 400. Mm-hmm. So good. Michael can, can, Michael oh, yeah. had this when back used, in the day. When you used to live up in COVID. Pittsburgh. Yeah. When you used to live up when in Pittsburgh. Yep, yeah, I remember we it well. We watch drive-in movies. We would get a big Minnie's pizza and go to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. I remember it well. <gasps> What's funny is you, you actually did what we we're talking about. You actually piqued my interest literally when your first words were, there's this little place in Pittsburgh off of 30. Instantly, I'm thinking it's got to be cool. Because again, these little standalone <laughs> mom and pop. Instantly, I'm like, okay, this has got to be good because I can't get it anywhere else. You know, that to me, that's the essence of these good places. And I hadn't even had this pizza in 25 years and it's still going. It's really <sighs> awesome. Amazing. Got to be okay. good. I, um, this is like, maybe like the hardest thing I've ever tried to figure out (laughs) because I I am a, I mean, from, from a very early age, as long as I can remember, pizza has been my favorite food. Um, I mean, there was no question when I was little, if you asked me what my favorite food was, pizza, 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 like I like pizza. I like all kinds of pizza. I like, you know, um, I mean, it just depends. Like sometimes I'm in the mood for uh you know deep dish sometimes i'm in the mood for new york style sometimes i'm in the mood for and i know this is going to make a lot of purists pissed sometimes i'd like a hawaiian pizza i do (laughs) Uh, i know i know the tiki guy says that crazy right um yeah uh but uh you know um uh i and this is going to sound weird too but i i mean i grew up as a kid i grew up and i remember my it used to be an event that my parents would take us to like, like Keene, New Hampshire, which was over 
like because we lived in massachusetts so we went like it was about a 45 minute trip and we would go to like because there weren't that many pizza huts then we would go to this pizza hut and have this amazing experience in this dark dark place that had these like red lights and it was just a it was a magical place it had pizza like it just was cool Mm -hmm. right had red cups with your drinks like and it was just a it was amazing um but in winchester massachusetts we had a little place called the pizza barn or sorry pizza barn pizza barn (laughs) and uh i remember that their pizza actually they cut their pizza in squares so for the longest time i thought that's how you cut pizza um Mm -hmm. uh growing up but um somewhere I think when I was uh, in my early teens, there was a place that opened up and the pizza barn like ruled, like, like that's where everybody in Winston got their pizza from. It's just no question. Um, they had arcade games too there. So uh, we would go there after school and play arcade games. But then uh, sometime in my early teens, uh, across the street from pizza barn opened up a place called CNS pizza by a couple of Greek guys. They blew my mind of what like pizza could be. Like it just was um, and they didn't do anything like really elaborate with it. Um, but I can tell you that I've never, the way that their ovens worked, they were able to cook the topping, cook the whole pizza pie, of course, but the toppings would get this sort of almost to a crunch, right? Yeah. At which I've never like seen since then. I've, I've, I've never seen that style of pizza anywhere since then. Um, but their level of cheese, their, their, their toppings of cheese toppings would like get, almost crunchy at the top and it was a great experience it is and maybe it's because i'm you know thousands of miles away uh from uh from there now but uh or maybe hundreds i don't know uh but it feels like thousands millions actually because that's the pizza i can't have (laughs) so so that's the pizza i i and they still make it you know in winston massachusetts as far as i know there's just a one they've moved around three or four times but they're they're still there in winston um Whenever I go visit my parents, uh, you know, whenever I go visit Mass- in Massachusetts, I'm like, somebody bring me some CNS pizza. I got to have CNS pizza. That's my pick. Um, even though I like pizza, like I, you know, I've had bad pizza. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I, uh, I I love pizza of all kinds. So I don't want to uh, sort of discriminate. But um, CNS pizza will be my choice if if you put a gun to my head. Wow. Wow. Let me be clear about something. So you like pizza? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I. There have been times in my yeah. life where I have had pizza every day. There have been times in my life where I've had pizza, multiple pizzas in a day. And whoever I can't remember who pointed it out, but uh, um, really good pizza, you can't reheat. You True. can't. You, you can't reheat. No. no. Uh, I mean, it just yeah. loses something like yeah, once once that pizza goes in the fridge it just it doesn't come out the same way some foods they go in the kitchen uh, they go in the fridge and they kind of mingle and you know actually almost get better the next day or so or they turn into something like a treat mm-hmm. but i've never i've never had great experiences with i mean i've had cold pizza and i've reheated pizza sure but it's just yeah it's not the same it isn't the same, but sometimes you do get a really good pizza that is even better when it's cold and it's congealed in some ways. Never. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. There's just some <laughs> stuff that's just like, oh, ah. 
All right. We're running on. It's already 920, kids. Let's keep Woo! on going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, really sorry. Made it one think, round. Uh, yeah, we went through one round, right? So we're, everybody's uh-huh. picked, right? Is that yes. right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So I guess our next pick, then, uh, Cheryl, start us off with your second pick of food. All right. This time I'm thinking way outside of the box. I'm thinking really big box. With really big box. I mean, really big box. Okay. What is the best you've ever eaten at an airport? The reason I'm asking, it's hard. It's hard. But there is, I have traveled all over the country. And I have to tell you, there is treasures. When I told my husband about this, he's like, I can tell you about bad stuff. And I'm like, oh, all of us can do that. All of us can do that. And uh, maybe, you know, thinking about happier times when we'll all be able to travel again. But my favorite was a very, very surprise meal that I had on the way back from, um, I had a meeting in Victoria, Canada, and I stopped in um, Seattle on my way back at SeaTac. And I had the best salmon tacos I've ever had in my life. And I just couldn't wait to go back to Seattle to get those salmon tacos. I've, I looked online because I was trying to remember the name of the restaurant and I don't I don't think it's there anymore because the, they did have one seafood, Dungeness Bay Seafood. Michael Faber, I don't know if that's familiar to you, but I don't think it was that place. Nope. But Oh, man, they had the best salmon tacos. So good. I, and I couldn't, like I said, I, every time I went to Seattle, I don't care what gate I was at, I would find my way back to that um, restaurant and get those salmon tacos. So. Cool. Wow. Anybody else had, uh, for me, I'll just go real quick because it's really easy because in Chicago airport, there's a Giordano's. So that's, that's my pick. Ah. <laughs> kind of going so that way. Don't they don't have a good pizza at uh, Midway. I, I used to go in and out of Midway and I'd be like, I didn't get any pizza while I was in Chicago and they don't have a good pizza. pizza no, they so. got, they got a little, uh, a little uh, Giordano's right in O'Hare. And I'm like, yep, that's, oh, that's okay. why, that's why I fly in O'Hare. one time i actually beelined it after a trip to chicago to uno's pizza which is a local is that low i know maryland yeah there's there's pizzeria uno's everywhere yeah it's been a while since i've had one of those yeah that was a sad substitute but yeah there was nothing at midway uh anybody else uh had good airport food i know it's a yeah (laughs) i could i could give one um, it's also Seattle, but um, it's no longer there. But basically, we used to love going flying into Seattle or flying out. Always great to get Ivar's clam chowder from. That's what it was, Mike. I think it was at Ivar's. Probably, most likely, Ivar's left there. Yeah, sorry. In 2018, they let they for some reason they that closed their fun. the airport. Um, location which sucks because ivar's is awesome has some of the best clam chowder bite me new england and it's just pretty awesome that you know it's new england England style but it they add to it they have some salmon in it they have you know all this different northwest stuff and it's been a staple in the northwest and to get it at the airport and take it on the airplane for with you it's awesome it is truly truly awesome that's Keith? so funny. That's exactly what it was, Mikey. It was Ivar's salmon tacos. 
I don't really have just a. I I, I think the Giordano's you mentioned when she got O'Hare. I remember that. That's very good. I don't really know of any because of any really good airport food I've had. Other than that, I mean, you can start talking places like Bojangles or something. That doesn't really, Ugh, <laughs> oh. that doesn't really. I would say the, the, the best. The best. The, the back to what you said, Mike, about memories. I think the place that best um, at a at a at a hub of transportation was the first time I went to New York City uh, about 10 years ago. I'd never been to New York City. I get off the train. I'm staying with a friend in Jersey, went to Penn Station, got out at Penn Station, and there was a Nathan's there. Oh, awesome. And that place was good. I've had Nathan's where it's fair. The first time I've had a Nathan's dog, I'm in New York for the first time. I'm in Penn Station and I am just, I am blown away. I mean, just amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm ridiculously extroverted person. And I was just soaking it in. And I got this Nathan's hot dog with some, with some curly fries. Now that, and that's not an airport, but you know, it's a hub, transportation hub. That was a memorable experience. Even now, whenever we go to New York and we go to, um, New, uh, we get out, get at Penn Station. I try to hit that Nathan's up to get one of their chili dogs. Fantastic. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, um, that does uh, that does that round. Um, and now we are. Uh, actually, I just realized that I didn't go in the first round. <laughs> well, you. You no, you didn't actually. <laughs> so So you get to go twice the second round, Mikey. All right. So uh so yeah, I'll I, I guess I'll take my first round pick now then. Um so well we're talking about um we'll get let's get away from the airport food and we'll talk oh, God, uh, yes. we'll but uh <laughs> you uh Cheryl mentioned tacos. So we're gonna talk tacos. Um uh tacos have become like a big thing like in the last decade or so, like, I mean, just taco Tuesday. I love taco. Like it just like huge thing. I mean, I grew up, you know, at home, we made the Ortega, you know, tacos. Uh, I don't even know if Ortega still makes stuff anymore, but I, you know, I mean, I grew up doing those at home, but uh, I don't know uh, when the first time I actually had my first taco outside was, um, but I do know that, you know, after years and years of having tacos, I'm not now, I'm not big on seafood. I'm just not. I know I'm from Massachusetts, but I'm not big on seafood. And so people would tell me that fish tacos were the bomb. And I'd be like, eh, I'll take your word for it. Um, But my first trip out to San Diego uh, to the Comic-Con, they were like, you got to have fish tacos if you're going to San Diego. There's no way that you can go to San Diego and not have fish tacos. So um, even if it's just going to Rubio's. Oh, so, um, like Rubio's is the cheapy seafood, seafood place. So Mexican so, food there. So that's the place that Bill and I like had 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 you know been told about. So we we actually went like and got a cab to a to a mall so we could go have Rubio's fish tacos. And let me tell you, from a guy who doesn't like seafood, and yes, I understand now that they are the bottom of the barrel sort of thing. But let me tell you they blew my mind. They oh, were yeah. so delicious. good. Uh, so amazing. I've had better since. And in fact, if you ask me where I've had the best fish tacos, it's at a place called Pelican's landing in Fort Lauderdale. Um, cool. But San Diego uh, opened my eyes to uh, fish tacos. And I have to give uh, credit to Rubio's for that. So, so that's my taco experience. Uh, the best tacos. Uh, what about you, Keith? 
the best tacos I had, and again, I'm a Texan, so I know from tacos. <laughs> right? I know from <laughs> yeah, you do. And then there's and then tacos is no one of those foods. There's so many different ways to make them. Do you use white flour? Do you use corn? Should yeah. be corn. Is it, Yellow is corn. It, is it hard shell? Soft, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. There was a place. Not, it's not there anymore. But here in Atlanta, right down from the um, the the Cap History Airport, there used to be a little Mexican joint right on the corner. And again, you know, I keep talking about dives and so forth. I like. I would drive by and I noticed like all all the Mexican guys who have been doing construction work and landscaping would stop there at the end of the day and it would be packed. It's a good sign. Yeah. And it was a really small place. They had a TV look like it was old as I was always had soccer playing on there and went in there. Nobody spoke English, which is also really good. It's a good sign. And it was 100% traditional Mexican food, not Tex-Mex, but Mexican. So, you know, most Americans, when they first have Mexican food, true Mexican food, and they find out that the beef is not ground, but it's shredded, that's, that's kind of an eye-opener for them. And the taco shells typically tend to be double and yellow corn. Mm-hmm. And this place had, um, also, if you want to get really traditional, they had tripe tacos, they had brain tacos, <laughs> they had all that other kind of stuff that you want. But they had, man, the, the, the beef was just, it was seasoned just right. It was shredded beef. They did a very traditional thing where you get slices of lime to go on the mm-hmm. tacos. Oh, sure. They had, yeah, they had the fish tacos. And it was just, they were fried just right. And then again, being traditional Mexican joint, they had shakes. And so you could get like mango shakes and all kinds of different tropical shakes. And that, that was part of the best tacos I've ever had, just like kind of a hole in the wall place, unpretentious and just fantastic. And also they were cheap because, you know, it was a traditional place and they weren't trying to, didn't have a lot of overhead. And that's just been the best tacos I've ever had. They weren't gourmet, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheryl, what about you? What's uh, what's uh, your favorite tacos? I mean, I know you already mentioned tacos just now. I don't know if those are your favorite. Yeah, I mean, those those might have been my favorite i love i love all kinds of tacos i love meat chicken shrimp and um now i'm a big black eyed peas taco girl mm. i love guacamole with some seasoned black eyed peas as my as mm. my protein now so but um you know going out that might have that was such a surprise at an airport like why are you getting salmon at the airport cheryl <laughs> So yeah, so that was uh, danger, my, danger, my right? <laughs> isn't that my what made? Talk. Isn't that what made them sick? An airplane? Oh, it was the fish. <laughs> it was the fish. <laughs> it was the fish. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? What are your favorite tacos? Well, it kind of piggybacks on what you said about the fish tacos, because you know, living out in California, you know, like you said, Rubio's was the low rang. If you wanted to go up to the higher, you go to the original, you go to Wahoos. Wahoos is the cre- was basically who popularized the fish tacos, especially out in California. And they are still to this day my favorites. You go there and you have all these different types of fish you could choose from. You could also do shrimp. You could also do other forms of protein. It's, it's just great. And it's a t- typical surfside you know, the original was a surfside dive, but, you know, once they've gone into different towns out down in Southern California, they're in strip malls now and, you know, all these different, you know, areas. And, but it's, I like going to the original and it's still, to me, it's my favorite fish taco. 
Awesome. But not just tilapia like a lot of places. Huh? Oh, like I, do, I don't know. Don't, you don't do tilapia. Tilapia is a garbage fish. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's the most, that's a very common with a lot of restaurants where you go, that's what they have, tilapia, tacos, or maybe grouper. Well, exactly. I'd go for grouper before tilapia because tilapia is mostly farm-raised and yeah. it has all these chemicals and stuff in it. Mm. Well, uh, Keith, what's your next food or last food of the night? Last food, again, very typical is ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, we're getting into <laughs> yeah. desserts now. Yeah, ice yeah, cream. Baby. Uh, several years ago, I went vegan, just cold turkey, because I, I had gone to the doctor and my uh, my cholesterol was greater than my weight. And so I decided to make a change. So I came home one day on a Friday and I went vegan and I went vegan for two months. And I, when I say vegan, I mean vegan, no fish, no cheese, no eggs, no nothing. Um, and I actually adapted to that pretty well. After about a month, I was okay. And I was, you know, I missed the meat. I missed my pancakes on Saturday with the sausage and the bacon. I missed my hot dogs, my hamburgers, my barbecue, but I adapted. I was okay. The thing I could not get over was the lack of dairy and that was ice cream. And I literally dreamed about ice cream. Uh, it is, it is my serious. Did you one. scream for ice cream? <laughs> yeah, I screamed for ice cream, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you walk down the street going, ice cream, I got to have ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is it is literally on the face of the earth. It is the one food I probably could not give up and 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 not have it ever again. I just like everything about it. I like the taste. I like the creaminess. I love. I put it in milkshakes all the time. I eat ice cream a lot, way too much. It's it's my thing. And the best ice cream I've ever had, which is funny, is when I was a kid. I didn't care for it, but I've come to love it. Was back in the day when my parents had a little ice cream freezer in the house, and it was all custard based ice cream. Mm-hmm. I didn't like custard-based ice cream that much when I was a kid. Maybe because I always wanted to go to Dairy Queen and get their stuff. <laughs> but the custard had just, a, it, I kind of didn't like it. But as I've gotten older, I have come to, I adore custard ice cream. And the problem is finding true custard ice cream is really hard in certain places. Like it's, there's a couple of places here like Rita's, which I think is out of Philly. But it's really hard to find really good custard ice cream in some places, like in the South. It's very common, I know, in New York and Philadelphia and stuff. Yeah. Custard ice cream is not common here. But there's a shop, there's a little joint in Fort Worth, back home in Fort Worth on Camp Bowie Boulevard. It's a little shack, or it's a little roadside place called Curly's. And they make frozen custard. They make it from scratch every day. They have a lemon custard that tastes like eating a lemon. It is phenomenal. Um, uh, vanilla is my favorite flavor, which is boring, but it, it is what it is. I love vanilla. And they make an incredible vanilla custard milkshake. So that would be, that's the best ice cream or custard I've ever eaten at this little place called Curly's in Fort Worth, Texas. A runner up would be that chain called Rita's, which I think is out of Philly. There's a couple here in Atlanta. There used to there's be one. a couple here in Atlanta, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, used, there used to be one right across from Grady High School. I don't know if it's still there anymore. Um, that would be it. And then the other one, I know I'm doing several here, but if you get away from custard and go to pure ice cream, the best ice cream I have had so far that you can buy is a, is a place called Morelli's here in Atlanta. 
And they do all kinds of flavors. They do traditional, which I love, but they also do exotic flavors. They do a rose petal ice cream, which is really good. They do a ginger ice cream, which is great. And they do a coconut jalapeno ice cream, (laughs) which is really good. If you don't like the flavors, the ice cream itself is fantastic. So you can go there and just get regular strawberry and vanilla. Fantastic ice cream. So number one would be uh, Curly's Custard in Fort Worth, Texas. And number two would be Morelli's Ice Cream here in Atlanta. Awesome. Awesome. Cheryl, what about you? What's, uh, what's your ice cream? I've had a lot of great ice cream in my life. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Really I'm so happy with ice cream. I love ice cream. Um, I have to say, Michael, where did you take me with you guys, you and Judy, that freeze dried thing that. Oh, that seem- actually, that was going to be my pick. It's, oh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We yeah. got a combined pick. Oh, yeah, that it, 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 there's a place in Kennesaw. It's in this old house right next to downtown Kennesaw. It's called Frozen Cow, and it is amazing. Oh, what they do, so they make good. the ice cream right in front of you, and they use the CO2 to freeze the cream. And it is awesome. They you put they put the cream in, they put the toppings in, start mixing it in, then they put it under the CO2 and you know clouds of smoke from it and everything. And then they have the ice cream and they just mix it in with more toppings. They're just really making it from scratch there though. It it is awesome. And they could do almost any flavor you want in any combination. And it's just Amazing. Keith, that's one of the reasons we wanted you guys to come out because we've wanted yes. to take you guys there. And I remember Keith, you mentioning that. I'm salivating, seriously. Yeah. All right. It, I need to do the awesome. runners up because that was my fault. Keith, if you come to DC area, Maryland, uh-huh. they have a place that makes Rita's look like Cheapo Badipo. I won't go to Rita's. Seriously. Um, seriously. It's okay. called Carmen's. It's it's they have the best custard ice cream and then amazing flavors of ice Mm -hmm. and you do you do like a layer of custard a layer of ice and a layer of custard and their their cherry ice has pieces of cherry in it and then you get it with chocolate custard Mm -hmm. oh my gosh did you do that yet with us did you guys do cards with us that's the one right next to hard times when you came up isn't it oh right yes keith you yeah. got to put it on your I list. Got it's to, worth coming I've to. Got. You know, it's funny. Uh, ever since the COVID started, I have been doing, every now and then I've been looking, I started looking up ice creams from all over the country and I've been going through Gold Bellies, <laughs> looking at a lot of the stuff. But get, shipping ice cream through them is kind of expensive because you need to get like a minimum. It's like a hundred bucks typically. But one of the things I did through Gold Bellies is I started, I've been reading all these lists of the most rated ice creams in the country. And then I try Jenny? to find out. Did you hmm? see Jenny's? J-E-N-I-S? Yeah, they're on there. I've had them. And there's some of the ice creams, like uh, I think there's one called Gaither's um, that are in certain cities. And what I've been doing is I've been looking around to see if any of these ice creams are sold in local stores. So I've been on that kind of thing. There's certain ice creams. There was one ice cream that's really rated really high from Philly that's sold at um, at Kroger. So I've gone and done that. And so I'm always on, I'm on a mission. I, this is crazy. I keep three or four different types of ice cream in the freezer at all times. There's, if I go in there now, there's four different gallons of ice cream and about five little pints of ice cream. Oh my I, gosh. It is literally the only food on the earth I could not give up. I can give up anything. Ice cream, I can't do it. I've tried. I can't. It's tough. Can't. It is my, tough. Uh, my, parents, my parents have ice cream every day and uh, they, 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 
they swear by it. I don't have it every day, but I do enjoy it. Um, yeah. Growing up uh, in, in Winston, um, we lived uh, within walking distance from a dairy farm, uh, Murdoch Dairy Farm. And in the summer, uh, spring, Ooh. summer, they would uh, open up and have ice cream. Um, and so we would literally walk from my house uh, to get ice cream. Uh, not every day, obviously, but uh, a lot. Um, and I think that just made it like I've had other ice cream, love ice cream, but to me, like to get it straight from the dairy farm is a great experience. And in New England, there are like all over the place. Um, at least they were, I don't know about now, but, uh, but, um, uh, so, um, now I will say since, you know, there was a, it sounds really cool. Like, oh, wow, you lived he lives within walking distance from a really cool ice cream place. There was a price to pay for that because when the wind was right, you you could smell the cows. Um, so, uh, um, but, but uh, in lieu of outside of Murdoch, because that was my first, you know, that was my earliest experiences with ice cream or whatever. But since I grew to like um, the dairy farm experience, uh, there's another place in Massachusetts and it's in Middleton, Middleton called um, Richardson's. And they're also on a dairy farm um and they have way more selection of flavors than i mean murdoch's just a little place uh, murdoch dairy farms just a little place they have your basic flavors uh but richardson's really is is got it going on i think there's another location somewhere else in massachusetts as well but they the dairy farm is actually in middleton and you can get them i mean to me that's like that's as fresh as you can get as far as ice cream wow. goes right like like the like cows are right there um going hey what are you doing um oh yeah uh, but um so yeah those we used to have be... a place like that right up in seattle like oh, yeah. one exit up from the apartment i used to live in in kirkland there was a dairy farm that sold their own ice cream mm-hmm. and like as a treat every couple of weeks we would go there to pick up like a half gallon and such and it was just it was awesome yeah seattle good has good ice cream good stuff yeah richardson's in milton mass it's worth the trip it's not it's kind of you know it's not on the main you know, way, but it's, it's worth the trip. I try to go there every time I go to Massachusetts. So, all right. So, um, well, we've got, let's see, we've done the, that, that. Okay. I think it's Mike. Me. All right. Yeah. Mine is going to be, you ready for this folks? Donuts. Donuts. And oh, you boy. know, donuts, <laughs> <That's> another one. <laughs> it's, we're going for dessert kids. You know, this is the best. Yeah. Because with donuts, you know, you can have donuts for breakfast, you could have donuts for dessert, you could have donuts for lunch, or you could have donuts late at night, which is really awesome. You know, people up in the Northeast, they swear by Dunkin' Donuts, and, you know, to me, they taste like eating Noxzema, but it's okay. But I you agree. Know, you know, they're not that great. But no. there's Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. 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 You know, we have a great place here, actually two great places in the Atlanta area. The first place I'm going to bring up is a nice little chain. It's only two locations and it's called Sublime Donuts. And it is some of the most amazing donuts you could ever get. They're, you know, some of the, like they have a, a Reese's peanut butter one that is like chocolate. And then the whole center is filled with the peanut butter, or they have a, you know, what they have a doce de leche with the uh, 
basically the vinegar poured on top of it. And it, it's just, it's just awesome stuff. Vinegar? Yeah. Okay, well, they, I've never tried that one. They have mm. balsamic vinegar on it. It is just awesome. And that's good. And there's, the, yeah, oh, dude, and it's, I gotta try that, Mike. And, and it's great because uh, before, well, before COVID, they were open 24 hours, and yeah. there's one down by Georgia Tech, and then there's also one up off of North Druid Hills and Briarcliff, right off 85. So it's, you know, it's pretty darn awesome to try Sublime. You're gonna go in there and just go, oh, I just need them all and everything. But there's another donut place that's just recently opened in the Atlanta area. It's called Duck Donuts. And Duck is just amazing because they make the donuts right there in front of you. Amen. Yes. And they'll do, they do like any kind of donut you could think of. I love their bacon donut. It is just awesome. And their, you know, their coffee donut is just, it's just, they just have so many cool flavors and literally they take the donuts out of the fryers and they tell you, tell them what kind of flavor and they, the, you will watch them make it up in front of you. You know, we, when Judy was in the hospital, we brought duck donuts in and they were gone, you know, within 15 minutes. It was just awesome. It's impossible to, it's really hard to resist those donuts in the car. Cause like you said, Mike, they dip them in front of you. And when you put those in the car, the smell, oh my, oh my gosh, it's oh, tough yeah. to resist those. <laughs> oh, they, are oh. Pretty, they are pretty awesome. They're great. Uh, Cheryl, what about you? What about, uh, uh, do you concur or do you have another donut place in mind? Oh man, I've, I've eaten a lot of donuts in my years um I actually um, can share we got a duck donut right down the street which is it's phenomenal but it is all the same like I mean I know you're saying it's not it's the toppings that aren't the same but they're all the same basic cake donut like sorry um so I I I like them but um what I my favorite donuts um even and like I said I've traveled around the world I went to voodoo in Portland um, my favorite donuts are Sugar Shack in Richmond, Virginia. Really? That, those are amazing donuts. They are big and they are, there's ones that are like, you know, you get a different variety of donuts because they're the, you know, the cake, they're the, the light and fluffy ones, you know, but they're, they're taught everything about them is so good. i we went to a baby shower um, where that was really the only food I ate for like eight hours because I couldn't stop eating them. And I mean, it was just, I remember leaving there going, I need a salad. I need a salad. <laughs> um, but that was in Richmond, in Richmond, Sugar Shack. Sugar Shack in Richmond. Oh. Uh, Keith, what about you? The, the best donuts I've ever had. It's, here we go again. It's so funny. What, just listening to what Cheryl and Mike are saying. Donuts also are extremely personal in what you like. For example, Cheryl, oh, exactly. you were mentioning you know, cake donuts, some people don't like cake donuts. And frankly, mm -hmm. although duck is an exception, a lot of places I've eaten have had cake donuts. They're not that good. It's like they don't know how to make a good cake donut. It can be just dry. Mm -hmm. um, a, a case in point, I like Krispy Kreme. I don't love Krispy Kreme because it's too light and airy for me. It tastes almost more like, to me, Krispy Kreme is almost like cotton candy. It doesn't have yeah. enough bread. I just but don't understand point, why I get a cart. I get like, you know, I go there. You have to go there uh, when the light's on, right? You yeah. Have to go there oh, when the when it's on. hot and fresh, that's the best time to yeah. go. So you go yeah. there and you walk out with a dozen donuts. And by the time you get home, there's nothing there. I don't know where yeah. they go. <laughs> they just disappear, right? <laughs> it's because they're so light and flaky. Yeah. yeah. 
that's another personal choice. I tend to prefer the, 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 the Krispy Kreme type. I don't like them too bready, which to your point, Mike, when I first had Dunkin' Donuts and I first had an old chain called Winchell's, I was disappointed. I didn't know oh, that I stuff. remember it, Winchell's, yeah. It, I thought it was horrible. But the best donuts I'd ever had was a place back in Texas called Shipley's Donuts. And they're of the same type as, say, a Krispy Kreme. But they, they're, they're, they're like pancakes or something. There's a, or there's a very fine line between being too, too bready and actually being too light. Krispy Kreme is a little bit too light for me, and some are too bready. These Shipley's were perfect. They were just the right consistency, had just the right amount of um, bread in them. The, they were always baked fresh every morning. Used to get those all the time. That's Shipley's back in Dallas Fort Worth area. Here in Atlanta, um, I like Krispy Kreme. I don't love them. I got a second mic. I would say Duck is the best that I've had so far. That place is phenomenal. I mean, I just love them. The fact that they're fresh, they're the best cake donuts I've had in the in Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. They're just great. Uh, I love those too. So that would be my second place. Yeah. An honorable mention though for me is whenever I go up to Canada, I have to have Tim Hortons. Tim oh, Hortons is like the bomb. <laughs> I've never heard of them. No? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, they're, yeah. They're making that, their way into, they're, they're in some of the Northeast uh, yeah. United States. But yeah, they're, okay. they're, I don't know if they'll ever get down here, but uh, there might have to be some exchange program between I've Canada actually and looked Tim Hortons. Trying, I've actually looked at trying to open a uh, yeah. franchise here. <laughs> um, One thing I say real quickly about donuts is honestly, outside of those, the best donuts I've ever had in my life um, outside of those, they're almost always mom and pop chains that probably don't exist anymore. And that's mm. the big thing about donuts. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, a lot of the local ones, like Mike even mentioned with a couple of these, there's only two locations. The best, truly best, best donuts I've ever had in my life, I guarantee they're not there anymore. They were just little mom and pop places that are gone. Yeah. The uh, One of the best places like growing up that uh, we had donuts. I mean, obviously I grew up in New England, so Dunkin' Donuts was a thing. But even New Englanders, mm. I think they go there for coffee more than they do donuts. That's why they changed it to just Dunkin' now. Yeah. They don't even, they took Dunkin', they took donuts out of their yeah. name. That's how, uh, you know, but um, uh, there was a place called Mr. Donuts. And that was uh, uh, like a mom and pop place. So it was like a diner setup, really. Mm. Um, and so, but I grew up with cake donuts and I love cake donuts. I like, you know, I like Krispy Kremes to the, to the, for what they are. But I, I call them Krispy Kremes. I don't call them donuts. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, you know, so cake donuts is my thing. Uh, for me, in the Atlanta area, ah. uh, the best place to get donuts is Sarah Donuts uh they uh they have uh cake donuts there's a few there's one in norcross there's one in decatur what? i think there's that a couple of others so uh sarah donuts are amazing uh they uh that's pretty much what they do um they're only open from like i think i don't know seven or eight in the morning till two in the afternoon and that's it um they have um uh two donuts in particular you want to talk about cake donuts they have a red velvet cake donut that is the one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth, period. Not just donuts, not just desserts, not just anything. Wow. Like it's it's I'd rather have this than I would have, I mean, I like red velvet cake, all right. But this velvet cake red velvet cake donut is amazing. They also have a they also have a maple bacon uh donut, which is great as well. Uh, so I'll see your bacon donut and put maple on it too, Mike. Uh, uh, but then they also know how to make the standard donuts, the glazed donuts, the regular ones. So, uh, you know, and that's important too. I think, you know, a place like that always has to keep the basics in mind too, you know, the jelly Agreed. donuts and whatnot. So, 
Um, so that's my favorite place. If you haven't checked out, it's more on my side of town in Gwinnett County. But um, yeah, I know that the other places are good. I've had Sublime. I've had uh, a couple of the other places. But to me, like I said, that red velvet cake donut in, of Sarah's Donuts is just Sarah's amazing. Donuts? Sarah I've donuts. never heard of them. Yep. Sarah Donuts? Yep. Yeah, they're about okay. to open one of those up in Roswell, so I'll have to that's check right. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, all right. That goes on the list. So on the sort of, I guess to finish it up, we're going to start with, um, we're going to finish it up with breakfast. <laughs> so, oh. So, because uh, everybody else is gone, right? Yep, yes. Yep, 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 yep. All right. So last, but certainly not least, we're going to end uh, similarly with donuts with something that is traditionally for breakfast, but it can be had anytime, any place. Um, and that's pancakes. Ugh. Pancakes, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the best pancakes, I love pancakes. Um, uh, they're tricky to make, I feel like. I don't know. It's it's funny, but you wouldn't, you know, they, they're simple, but uh, to get absolutely right, you know, it just is a challenge for me. So, uh, but the best pancakes I've ever had, I had them actually with Mike Faber in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Aretha, don't, 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 don't say it. Frankenstein. Yeah. You just took mine. You just took mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great. Uh, uh, Aretha Frankenstein's is, oh man. Yes. Those, those, what can we say about those pancakes? They're thick. Um, they're, they're amazing. Just, they're deceptively light though when you eat them like you yes. just start eating them but before you know it you're like how many of these have i had and i'm gonna get i'm really full now like, and, it, it's, it's yes. a, and it's an amazing place because it's a little hole in the wall house it you know right off the art district that they have yeah. and it's yeah. just it's just awesome uh, I mean, I think they came to national prominence when I think Rachel Ray had them or on the show or something like that. And then they have. You yes, can get, they were on Cheap Eats, I think. Yeah, you can uh, get, uh, I think you can get, like, they're national in the sense that you can go to the grocery store and get Aretha Frankenstein's, like, mix or syrup or something yeah. like that. Uh, and, of course, the syrup is important, too. You know, that that experience is good. But um, I don't think I've ever gone to a place I mean, they, you know, you get your standard, you get pancakes or standard pancakes, right? But Aretha Frankenstein's makes it like an event, like, oh, I want to get pancakes there because I've never had pancakes like those before. Agreed. Agreed. Completely, dude. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Boom. Well, I guess, Cheryl, if you've never been to Aretha Frankenstein's, you're at a little disadvantage. So I'm kind of curious as to where you have the best, uh, where's the best pancakes for you? Man, that sounds so good. I just looked it up, actually, when you were talking about it. It's what. Oh, Aretha Frankenstein's is one of those places. (laughs) That is so cool. Well, yeah, exactly. And you, everywhere you look in the the restaurant, there's something to see on the walls and the ceiling. It is just awesome. So you can go there at any time and have pancakes at any time of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. We when when the fa- yeah when I was there with the Fabers, we were there pretty late. I actually we I had pancakes with uh, <laughs> with a pint of Guinness. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> I love it. No gastric <laughs> problems there, folks. That's great, Mike. Uh, the Thank funny you. thing is, that's that's hilarious. That's great. Um, I agree with you guys, and I've never been to Aretha Frankenstein's. You've good. never been? <laughs> no. I've only had the mix. Oh, you've only had the mix. Wow. The mix is, oh, Keith, I've, I've we're doing had, a road trip, dude. I've never yes. had the mix, but the mix is pretty good, too. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Whoa. Oh my god! I just looked at their website. Their biscuits 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They they do other good oh. food too. And it's this poor poor one guy working in the back of the <laughs> kitchen in the kitchen. And it's such a tiny place. People have to wait out. I think there's only like eight tables in this whole restaurant. Yeah. If you don't, if you go during peak, like in the mornings or for brunch or something, it can be crazy there. Um, but uh, we went. That's why we went late. But uh, so since you've never been to Aretha, is is there any other place that you can suggest or that any place that you've had great pancakes, Cheryl? Oh yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of pancakes in my life too. There's um, the, the Sand Dollar in um, St. Augustine, Florida, was amazing. Um, then, but my, my favorite probably is this Miss Worcester's Diner up in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's like looks like an old-fashioned like train car, and it I know of that place. You? I, I went. To, yeah. I went to school. I went to. I went to college in Worcester. That place is awesome. They I don't had, think I ever had pancakes there though. Oh, they had this one that had like this whipped ricotta like filling wow. with the pancakes. It was insane. And that's probably my favorite I've ever had. Yeah. Wow. So All right. Wow. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. After and, uh... Worcester. <laughs> <Not with> Worcester. <laughs> All right. In, in Worcester. No, no. Worcester. Worcester. Uh, Worcester. Worcester. Uh, Worcester. Um, All right. So. All right. So, well, there's a lot of places. So I think we've told everybody that there's a lot of places in the Atlanta area and in Massachusetts and in some nowhere, of the places nowhere, too, else. nowhere else, nowhere else that you guys should, that people should eat at. Right? <laughs> we'll say back real quick on the pancake thing. Yeah. I, I, um, back to memories. My mom used to make pancakes every Saturday from scratch with the clabber girl, clabber girl flour, a baking soda and all that kind of stuff. I, and I, I love pancakes, but you know, there's a memory associated with them there. So I, I typically keep two or three or four different types of pancakes. Mm. And to your point about pancakes, Mike, um, it is re- I, it's really hard to make good pancakes at home if you don't have a specific griddle, if you're trying to use like oh, yeah. a nonstick skillet or an iron skillet. I have tried every mix there is known to man, everything from Antimama to Bisquick and blah, blah, blah. And a few years ago, when I, I think when I had been laid off from work, I had gone to the Publix and I'm like, okay, it's like a, it's like a science fiction movie. It's like pancake experiment number 45. Cause I have, <laughs> I have, I have done them all. And I saw Aretha Frankenstein. It's like, what the heck? And I made it up and the batter, when you make that batter, it looks like cornbread batter. It is oh, yeah. as heck. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> Dude, those things are perfect. Oh, they are made. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, Cheryl, they are fantastic. And you, you made them, and they were so good, huh? They, they yeah, were yeah. And I've never, I've never been to the restaurant. I've only had the batter, and I, and so one year for Christmas, I, and they're, they're not, they're not cheap. They're like five to six bucks a, a box for the pancake mix. I sent that home to my family, and my, my brother took it to his church, and they're like, "Okay, when can we have that again?" And my, my youngest brother's oldest daughter moved out, and she took the pancake mix to her college dorm. <laughs> Like man, she took the pet, the Aretha Frankenstein's, and the lady at my job, her kids now refuse to eat anything but Aretha Frankenstein's. I'm That's all. Order it. some of that. I'm gonna order. And this is just that. the mix. This oh, is not Cheryl. Mix. It is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I agree with Mike and Mike. Fantastic. Loves pancakes. When I oh, when I when I yeah. I knew like some of these other things that uh, came up with the foods and everything, I'd be like, well, uh, I don't know. I've had this one, and it's good here, and it's good here. Uh-huh. With pancakes, I knew exactly. Like there was no question in my mind who the clear-cut winner is that and it looks like you guys have have proven that as well so absolutely agree with that 
this has been awesome, guys. Uh, yes. I know that anybody listening is really hungry, so um, uh, so they could do dial up their Uber Eats or go out and uh, you know be safe if you're trying these I foods. Need to get the um, rich then for some donuts, though. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I got to get the DC for custard. <laughs> and I'll just stay but, here. <laughs> yeah, we'll just for Judy's brisket. Um, oh. <laughs> I got to get up early so I get some uh, Sarah donuts tomorrow. Um, but uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. Um, we will be right back uh, with a uh, with a with a guest. We've got a guest coming up right now. I hear those ice cream bells and I start to drool. Keep a couple quarts in my locker at school. Yeah, but chocolate's getting old. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. It's been fueling arguments and settling bets since 2003. It was updated in 2012. It's the most read feature in Rolling Stone magazine history. It is the top 500 albums of all time list. And they have just updated that list from scratch. They talked to 300 uh, pros in the industry, including some folks like Billie Eilish, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Stevie Nicks, Adam and the Edge from U2. And so you're going to see some albums are gone, some albums are new, and things moved around. You're going to see uh, things like Fine Line by Harry Styles, Miranda Lambert's Weight of These Wings, and Controlled by SZA, along with stuff by Howlin' Wolf, and things you'd expect like The Stones and The Beatles. What's the number one album, you ask? Um, it's been on the list all three times. It's been in the top 10. It was on the top 10 last time. Uh, first time on top. And uh, I was a little bit surprised to see it, but it's very cool. Um, to start an argument with your friends and find out what that album is, go to rollingstone.com. And last week, lawyers for the Doobie Brothers uh, sent an injunction to the William Murray Golf Company. Uh, that's Bill Murray's golf company, asking them to cease and desist using listen to the music in ads without compensation. Their their lawyers said, it's a fine song. I know you agree because you keep using it in ads for your zero hucks given golf shirts. Given that you haven't paid to use it, maybe you should change the company name to zero bucks given. This is the part where I'm supposed to cite the United States Copyright Act, excoriate you for not complying with some subparagraph I'm too lazy to look up, and threaten you with eternal damnation for doing so. But you already earned that with those Garfield movies. Burn. And you already know you can't use music and ads without paying for it. Uh, the William Murray Golf Company lawyers uh, have answered back. They said they are indeed fans of the Doobie Brothers music, and that's why we appreciate your choice of taking it to the streets rather than the courts, which are already overburdened minute by minute with real problems. They, they added that the Doobie Brothers were not harmed by the commercials, and in the words of Mr. Murray, the more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything, so let's pour one up and unwind with a listen of the recently released Quadio box set and plan to cross paths at a Doobie Brothers 50th anniversary show in 2021. And they offered to send the band some Bill Murray golf shirts. Um, I don't know how well that's going to fly. Um, hopefully they can resolve this so we can get away from all the Doobie Brothers puns going back and forth. Um, but Bill, 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 you know you can't use music and ads without paying for it. Come on. Um, that has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment for this week. There is a new blog post. Yay, believe it or not. Uh, it is up at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. Check it out, and we'll catch you next time. 
everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Hey everyone, welcome back. Now we're here with Monty Moore, who has a wonderful Kickstarter getting up and started. Hey Monty, welcome to the station. Thank you, appreciate it. Yes, uh, welcome indeed. Um, and uh, this, you are no stranger to uh, these Kickstarters, I understand. Yeah, this is actually my fifth Kickstarter and my third for an art book. Uh, and I also did uh, a pretty successful one at the beginning of COVID for my first comic book project, Loco Hero, uh, that did fantastic. Yeah, um, uh, I'm... I've been, you know, watching you from afar, we'll say, uh, you know, your artistic style is, is, is just gorgeous. And, uh, uh, your art books are, are, are pretty amazing actually. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I welcome the idea of a, this third one. Um, what sets this one sort of apart from some of your others? Uh, this one's a departure from be- being a purely pop culture and or pinup art book. Uh, it's called Montage, and it, although it will have some of my newest work from the last five years that is pop culture, so people could expect to see, you know, covers from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, Vampirella, Lady Death. Uh, but in the last five years, I've also been doing much more fine art and actually showing at some pretty top shows in the country for Western art, wildlife, Western cinema and kind of combining some of the pop culture with Western. So uh, fans have really enjoyed seeing artwork from me of Tombstone and the good, the bad, and the ugly, once upon a time in the West, this kind of thing. And uh, there's even a splash of automotive art, uh, you know, paintings of GTOs and Mustangs and classic 50s hot rods and such that uh, it's just nice to experiment as an artist. And so this book is going to encompass all four of those kind of genres, if you will. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed looking at this over at uh, sort of the different uh, artistic mediums that you're tackling with this one. Um, uh, as far as, you know, um, pen, uh, you know, I think you mentioned pencils, inks, paints, sculpture, like it, you're like just you know, covering the gambit here, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit of the Renaissance man thing, you know, back in the, <laughs> the days back then, you know, the great artists that uh, I look up to, Michelangelo and Da Vinci, they did sculpt, they wrote, they invented things, they wrote plays, they uh, they painted, they drew. And so um, a, a longtime mentor of mine, whose name was Frank Cavino, uh, taught Italian Renaissance portraiture. And he was just somebody that I looked up to a lot. And so he said, if you want to be a great, well-rounded artist, you should experience all these things. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert at it, but you should at least experience them. And so uh, I've been doing a, a lot of that and, and experimenting. And then I've also taken about a half a dozen workshops from other artists, 
top tier Western artists and wildlife and taking classes in watercolor and oil and things that I'm not, uh, hadn't been as comfortable with. And now I'm able to bring that in. And, and so people are able to see those techniques and some of my pop culture work uh, and, and bring in some of those techniques on a cover for say Vampirella or Lady Death or G.I. Joe. I, I've often heard regarding sculpture, uh, especially with a lot of artists, that um, once you, even if you're not really successful at sculpture, once you start thinking, it, it makes you think of things in a three-dimensional way and your 2D art just it improves dramatically. Did you find I, that? Yeah, I think it's certainly helpful. Um, I'm probably not there yet. I didn't see that. <laughs> If I just did a couple of smaller sculptures that, you know, suddenly I was <laughs> in the in the stratosphere of art skills. But um, I am starting kind of small. So my first two bronzes that I've released are, are on the smaller side. They're about the size of like a, a softball. Uh, there's one that's a bison and one that's a ram uh, for the Colorado State Rams, actually. We were talking about Colorado earlier. And... Um, it's a pretty large investment to try to get into bronze and have to pay for casting and the materials and patina and all that. So uh, I, rightly so, other artists warn me, hey, start out small if you're going to go into bronzes because you can end up having a couple hundred grand in samples sitting around. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like a cheap uh, hobby. No, and it, it's interesting because much like the comic book industry, it's a uh, it's very collaborative. One artist doesn't usually bring something to life. So there's about five artists that you have to hand your work off to from a mold maker to a casting right. company, to a patina or a base. And everybody's involved in the final output, much like a colorist, inker, writer. It, it's a team effort to make the final product, which is, it's kind of cool. Uh, I think it's also important for those uh, that are fans of yours uh, to know that even though you are uh, definitely experimenting and showing some different sides, uh, you're still bringing the sexy. Well, you know, you, you've got to feed the animals. <laughs> you have to yeah. make money somehow, Mike. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I, you know, I still love drawing and painting, obviously the, the human figure and, um, uh, but it, it is also fun to experiment right now. I'm doing a commission for a guy and he said, Hey, have you ever done an illustration of the Western version of the ghost rider, the original, mm -hmm. you know, ghost rider on a horse, right. not a motorcycle. And I, I just relish jumping into it. And right before Halloween here, it's like, Oh yeah. Horses with rearing and the, you know, flaming eyes and hooves and all that. Uh, I posted a, a teaser yesterday of the early version of it on my Facebook page uh, last night. Uh, and um, uh, so, I, you know, I am enjoying bringing it all together, but I'm also still doing regular covers for uh, Lady Death and, and some covers for Comics Elite and a few things like that. So Sure, sure. Um, uh, anything else about this particular um endeavor uh that uh you want people to know about obviously you've got tons of uh rewards for pledges uh yeah there's uh right now the only way you can get a commission for me and get on my list is currently through my kickstarters uh good to know in the last campaign i i offered 10 slots uh and 10 or 11 of them well so maybe eight of the 10 
you know, got picked up. And those were some of the early slots that people picked up on this campaign, but there are still a few available. So if somebody wants to get a really nicely rendered sketch cover or a more upper tier commission, like a painting, they mm -hmm. certainly can. And one of the reasons why I, you know, I'm not offering commissions, I'm trying to drive people through kind of the Kickstarter to uh, support those efforts, because then I can use that funding for, you know, the publishing of the book. Yeah, that's very smart. That's very smart. I mean, this, uh, you know, we were, it, we were, even this year, it has been particularly challenging, but I find that, especially for uh, independent artists and, and, and car comic people in particular, um, Kickstarter crowdfunding is the way to go. Like, it just seems like it's the most, um, uh, I don't want to say easy, because it's not easy. No, it's not. It's uh, it's a long <laughs> haul to, to, to promote something, you know, hard for a month and get all your ducks in a row. But um, from a publishing aspect, considering this is my ninth book to be published, but only my third to fourth that I am self-publishing, I can mm -hmm. tell you that having the control of size of the book and whether it's a soft cover or hard cover, the quality of the paper and where you're printing, is it overseas? Uh, what's the how many what's the page count color versus black and white all those decisions get to be done by me as opposed to the publisher saying well by the way we decided to change this and we picked a different piece for the cover and uh you know here's 50 books and sometimes you know back in the day that's kind of all you got you, wow. you're doing it as a pr thing and you were you very rarely were you paid in advance up front the, those days are gone but the good news is now I can sell my products direct to the consumer. Right, right. The The reward is greater for you, but also it's a lot more work. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you end up with a thousand books, you know, sitting on a bookshelf and saying, oh, you know, I need to move these books because uh, my last Kickstarter for an art book, which was back in 2017, I believe, because it was a hardcover, you really did, you have to print a thousand uh, books to get the scale of your pricing down. Uh, so I have plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, those are, I'm sure available as rewards as well, right? They are. They're part of the, uh, <laughs> the Monty Moore book club where you can get uh, four or five of the back issues. And I think four of the nine books are sold out and four or five of them are still available. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was, I just came across that as well. Yeah. Lots of different, um, you know, reward, packages which i love uh, i you know i tend not to think of it as rewards i think it, i just look at it as pre-ordering really pre-ordering pre when yeah, I, you're just pre-owning a book and getting getting more than uh than just a book in some cases so yeah and uh, you know, like people who supported the the loco hero campaign they got 11 or 12 different stretch goals so they got yeah. a really cool package of pens and dog tags and metal cards and bookmarks and stickers because as a Kickstarter supporter, you get the swag. If somebody says, ah, oh, those are available, I'll just buy the book. Guess what? If you buy the book, that's great. I appreciate it. I'll sign it. You might get a free print, but you might not get the other five or six really cool stretch goals that the backers get. And that's one of the fun parts about being a Kickstarter supporter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we definitely encourage people to check it out. Um, we'll have a link to it in our show notes so that people can just click on it and go right there. Um, but as far as anything else that you've got going on, anything else that you want to promote or uh, any place that people can find you outside of the Kickstarter? Um, certainly on, on social media, on Facebook, I'm pretty active. So people can send me a friend request to Monty Michael Moore 
or they can follow the uh, artist page of Monty M. Moore. And then on uh, Instagram, I'm MavArts, which is also the same as my website, which is short for Maverick Arts, which is the name of my company. And a uh, couple of things that are releases that are coming up. I've got a GI Joe cover uh, that's a co-op with uh, uh, Comics Elite that's going to come out in a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, about mid this month. And that's my first ever GI Joe cover. It's actually a wraparound with a whole bunch of different characters on it. Wow! Wow! And then, uh, I can't show anything yet, but I have a number of paintings for the Mandalorian coming out this year that are uh, for a high-end fine art vendor. And so they will be licensed paintings of the first season. That's Excellent. awesome. That's, that seems like right in your wheelhouse. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I as I was painting today, the paint, one of the paintings is right next to me and I watched the entire season for the fifth time. <laughs> well, it's interesting too, because it's a combination of both the Western, which you love, but also it the is. sci-fi that you love and everything too. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And one of the end of the at the end of the final episode, she says, "Well, we cleared the town out. Like we, it's like we saved the old west town. I think I'm going to hang around a little bit now that it's all good." And it's like that's so western. It's so yeah. immune. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, we'll have the link to the show notes. And um, I'm going to go uh, and uh, check out, I don't think, for some reason, I think, uh, I don't think I've done all the friend stuff with you yet either. So on social media, so Just I need did. to do that as well. <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to do that as well. Please so, and, uh, so. and uh, make sure you send me a link and I'm happy to share out the, the podcast links uh, when you guys have new stuff coming out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment to close out the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the show Primal Season 1. So a while ago, I did an episode on the first episode of the show Primal. Well, after finally being able to see the entire first season, I figured I would give my thoughts on it. So this show is brutal. That's the best way to put it, but... I would highly suggest it to people who are fans of Conan and the old novels, the old comics, like especially the last two episodes of this season, since to me, they really felt like Conan stories, even though the story is following these two characters that you don't ever really even know their names. Primal is the story of a caveman and a dinosaur who become friends and have to fight their way through this treacherous land that they live in. And they fight bats, other dinosaurs, snakes, ape men. There is a lot going on in this very minimalistic show. The show has barely any dialogue, mostly grunts and growls, really. And it focuses on atmosphere and music and then the actions of the characters to get the story across. And it does this amazingly well. The creator is Gindy Tarakowski. I know I probably said that wrong. And the creator is Samurai Jack, so if that helps out any for the style of the show, since Samurai Jack also focused on having as little dialogue as it could, it did have dialogue, but it was very minimal, you know, compared to most other shows out there that really focus mostly on the dialogue. This show is violent, and it has a lot of fight scenes, and one very sad scene in my opinion, but I'm not going to spoil that for you. So if you like fantasy settings that do not go super in-depth, but still have a solid story episode to episode, I would highly check out Primal. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. 
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. Of course, my sister Cheryl, you made it through the first one in almost 10 years. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> so so, we'll, so we'll see you again in, in 2030. <laughs> we'll see you, in, you know, we'll see you next time. Probably what, about 30 years from now? No, in the next one. Yeah, exactly. So it should be our favorite Geritol, our favorite soft <laughs> foods. You know? exactly. our, so- our, favorite chewy, our favorite chewy foods. Our favorite Jello. Uh, what's your favorite brand of Jello? <laughs> That would be it. Anything you want to promote? Do you want to promote your songs and stuff You're prom- on uh, YouTube and such? No. Well, sure. Look up Eddie's Viscosity and the Turbulent Core. Talk about Super Geeky. That's my band um, from Miss that we have live streams and or just go to C-H-E-H-R-E-E and look me up on YouTube. I've got lots of music. Cheesy. Yep. Cheesy music, but she's really good, guys. <laughs> and, that, and for her own brother to say that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, Mary Singh is my, is my channel. That is awesome. And Keith, thank you so much, sir. Really enjoyed it. I, I made a mistake. I didn't eat before this. Oh. <laughs> Even though Mike said it's, I really, I'm, it's not a joke. I really am like, oh, there's ice cream in there and there's some. <laughs> And, and I know this is not a thing. For, I got some bologna left in there, so I could get some barbecue bologna going in there. So what a mistake. No, <laughs> but that, I, ma- I made sure I <laughs> ate today because I was fasting all day. So it was just like, uh, so uh, it's yeah. like, so yeah. So basically I was like, I need food, food. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed job. this, guys. And I, I would say a, a shout out. I would, given what our topic was, I would really shout out the restaurant communities, not just in Atlanta, but all over the country because um, there are so many industries that are taking a hit. I don't know if any single industry other than maybe the hospitality industry that's going to take as big a hit from COVID as the restaurants. And I think all of us talked about the fact that we've been doing curbside. And so I would just encourage people as much as possible. I'm doing as much as possible to keep my favorite restaurants going. I've gone there. I order from them. Um, I, I'm tipping like crazy. You know, they're like, oh, thank you for that tip because it's a big deal right now. And you know, as Mike Mike Gordon was saying, um, this is all personal. I miss like heck being able to sit at a restaurant, the social interaction. I, I'm missing that. So getting the food is great. I can't replace the social interaction, but I want to keep these restaurants going. So I would just say everybody as much as possible, you know, try to support these restaurants because it's a big deal. Some of them may never open again. And I'm the kind of person where almost every great restaurant that I put on my list, they're almost always a mom and pop. There's some chains, but most of the restaurants I truly love are individual. Those are the ones that will suffer the most during times like this. So I really say, just I want to shout out the restaurants and try to support them as much as possible. Absolutely. Thank you, Keith. That's awesome. That is Thank awesome. You. Yeah. And I know of course, we've already lost a few. Oh, yes. Yeah. Some of our favorites have already closed. It's like, uh, okay. yeah. it really, really sucks. And Mr. Mike. As always, it's my pleasure. It is always great, my friend, and anything you want to shout about that's not going to make us think of food. Uh, I don't think this will think of, make you think of food, but at this point, I think everything will. Um, uh, I uh, was on another podcast. Uh, I know, <gasps> Shocker, um, but uh, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. So I joined uh, our good friend Dave over at the Needless Things podcast, uh, episode 336. Uh, I was on with the award-winning Bobby Nash, and we talked, all three of us talked about continuity in film franchises of course uh the mcu is famous for 
what it's done uh, for continuity uh, within mm. a film franchise. But uh, we look at some of the other film franchises like uh, James Bond and, and Batman and even some ones that'll surprise you, I think, as far as, as far as their continuity and see, uh, you know, what the pluses and minuses of those were and, and uh, what they got right and what they got wrong. So it was an interesting topic, um, really fun. And of course, you know, talking with Dave and Bobby, uh, you know, that's nothing but a good time. I want to hear that, Mike, because one thing that I sometimes find, which is weird given what happened with the MCU, one thing that I find slightly frustrating is sometimes when people feel they have to connect everything together. I remember the Spider-Man movies with uh, Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. when, oh, spoilers, I hope, I hope everybody's seen it, but when they went down to the fact that the Sandman killed Uncle Ben, oh, was that, was that the Tobey Maguire movies? Or was that the yeah. Andrew? No, it was no. the yeah. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. You know, we, when you start connecting stuff that much, I'm like, I don't need that. So I, it's very interesting when you talk about franchises. Sometimes the, I think what Marvel did is great, but I think sometimes there's something to be said for not everything has to be connected to everything else, you know? Um, uh, Joker didn't have to be the guy in the original Batman movie who killed Bruce Wayne's parents, that kind of stuff. Sometimes those connections, I think, why? So I, I can't wait to hear that podcast. Oh, cool. We had a lot of fun. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. Very cool. And I've been seeing other podcasts also. Yeah, you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, hey. I, 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 Unfaithful. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you, you always said you wanted an open podcast. So it's yeah, okay. We, we have an extremely open podcast. Exactly. So I've been actually seeing Joe, who is the podcast Sherpa. He invited me on his show to talk about the ESO network at Earth Station One. This show will be going out in December. So once that goes out, I'll give everybody a link to it. But you could always look up Joe, the podcast Sherpa. And he is up on, I think, iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And a reminder, please, if you have a good or an idea for a good Halloween story or a horror story or a spooky story, please send it to feedback at ESO Network. We're doing a big crossover, the, the fine folks over at the This Epic Disaster podcast. So it should be very cool. So remember, send your horror story. It has to be probably about 3,000 words to feedback at ESO Network. And Mike, you're going to be doing, starting next week, Halloween stories. It's that time of the year again. It is. We've got a great lineup of shows uh, um, coming up for you in October. Uh, a lot of guests, a lot of surprise guests uh, that I, that we got that even I'm surprised. So, um, you know, they haven't been, some of them haven't been recorded yet. So I won't, uh, you know, uh, I'll, uh, I'll be amazed, uh, you know, I'll still be amazed until they, after they happen. So. So what do we got next week, starting with the Halloween stuff? So, uh, so next week we are uh, doing our countdown to Halloween, and our and our main topic, uh, we will be talking to David Skull, who has just come out with a new book uh, for Turner in conjunction with Turner Classic Movies called uh, Fright Favorites, and uh, it's uh, just a, fa- a look at a lot of uh, great horror movies over the years, um, and uh, that's just the start of things. So, so tune in for that, um, and we'll also be participating, as I said in the beginning of the show, in uh, Monsterama that weekend, too. So it should be a lot of fun. So on behalf of myself, Cheryl Gendron, Keith Johnson, and of course, Mr. What? Mike Gordon, we will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.